Sirius 197, XM202, The Virus. The Ron and Fez Show starts right now. Right now. It is The Ron and Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, it's a Friday, big USA game tomorrow. But today, Fezzy, a couple of games going on. Yeah, in the World Cup right now, it is... Oh, let me see here. I had it you two know, seconds ago. You don't even have to worry about it. A uh, new girl is on deck. Did you manage to stay away from today, yeah. NG? Oh, I'm starting to like the name NG. That might be the way to for us to roll with this. Um, Hicks, you got an update? Yeah, it's uh, North Korea, Ivory Coast, and uh, Portugal, Brazil going on right now. Uh, of course, uh, Ivory Coast uh, winning this one to zip or to nil as I like to say on the other one. And uh, the Portugal game, I think, straight up tie still, right? Yeah. Was when I uh, was coming in. Uh, tomorrow is the big USA game. Uh, Fezzi, you got giant plans. You're going to be having a big spread and uh, American and Ghana foods. Um, I'm not sure exactly what a Ghana food is. Zebra. Then what I'll probably do is maybe get like a black and white shake or one of those black and white cookies. Is it a racist thing? No, just to try to match the zebra thing as much as I oh, can. Oh, see, I'm the racist. I didn't know where you were going with that. But, uh, yeah, all right, good call. Um, actually, I'm going to hit you with something right now that's going to shock you. I'm not a big fan of the black and white cookie. There, I said it. Let the hate mail begin. Run at AOL.com. Not a fan. Don't get a lot of taste there. I don't taste chocolate, don't taste vanilla. I just get a blankness. But there's both on there. I know, but they don't taste like it, Hicks. Maybe you need to find a good one. If I'm going to black and white something, it's going to be Oreo. But that is a tasteless cookie to me. Tasteless. What about those couple of bites where you get both colors in one bite? I'm not getting the taste on either side. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm not getting a big vanilla taste. I'm not getting a big uh, chocolate taste. Um... Fezzi, have you enjoyed this uh, World Cup so far? I have loved the World Cup. Even with the pressure on tomorrow that we gotta, we, uh, we're going to beat these guys. Uh, Hicks, what about you? Loving it? Hating it? I'm loving it. I love the last one, too. And this one, that the USA is fucking going in. It's fucking it's awesome. I have uh, probably uh, enjoyed the last three or four. The first one, Fezzi and I just dipped a big toe in uh, the first time I started to get into it. Uh, the second one into it fairly hardcore. This time, between all the gambling and the blowhard, blowhard, blowhard bet, uh, you know, you find yourself involved in just about every game. But here's the big question, Fez. Now that you're a, a baby soccer fan, where does this rank for you in sporting events? Would you put it above a Kentucky Derby? Uh, would you put it above or below a Daytona 500? a March Madness, World Series, and then, of course, the biggest sporting event of all, uh, Super Bowl. I mean, there's a lot of sporting events that you have out there. Super Bowl, obviously, number one for me. Granddaddy of them all. That is it. That's the, that's the topper right there. But World Cup, bigger for me than uh, the things you mentioned, Daytona 500. Bigger wow. than that. Bigger than March Madness for me. I didn't pay attention to March Madness. Definitely bigger than NBA Finals. I didn't watch one game of that. And you had Celtics-Lakers. I mean, you can't get any bigger than the, than the series we had this year. 
And what about the World Series? World Series? Bigger. Bigger for me because I find myself cheering here, World Series, even when uh, my hometown team, the Rays, were in it. Well, you were against them. Yeah, well, I don't think that town deserved a World Series championship. All but right. I- 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ, and it is World Cup fever right now, but I am kind of curious with you guys where this is starting to stack up. What about for you, Hicks? It ranks fourth for me. Okay, uh, he's, he's put it I, in at fourth. Fez, you got it at second now for you. Yeah, I have it at second. Mm, and that's bigger than WrestleMania. All right, uh, Hicks? Let me hear your top four. World Cup not even getting a bronze with Hicks. No, it's just out of contention. Number one, World Series. Number two is a triple crown in contention, Belmont Stakes. Where the whole, or it's going for the Belmont Stakes. That's a big fucking day for you. And uh, Super Bowl, and then World Cup. All right, so it's always going to be, you're a baseball man. Yeah, I've always loved baseball. Now, uh, World Series, even if your team's not involved. It's still exciting. It's still, I think it's still pretty exciting. Yeah, it's a gigantic thing. The thing that works here is, I think, number one, it's international, so everybody's involved, the whole world, so you, you're picking, you, you know, you can really laugh at, at whole nations. The fact that they care about it so much is very, very funny. Um, and the other great thing is it doesn't happen every year. So it's not like you can fall into, because there can even become, ladies and gentlemen, a Super Bowl malaise. Where you're like, another Super Bowl? All right, I guess I got to go to my boss's house. And that, you know, there are certain years with the Super Bowl that it can um, start to feel like a, uh, a chore. The Super Bowl can feel like a chore, much like Christmas. If Christmas came around every four years, you'd be batshit for it. And this definitely beats out Olympics for me, even Ooh, though that I don't know. I love the Olympics. Well, with this, you get to see everything. I mean, it's with the Olympics, you got fifty events going on at once. It's a little hard to keep up with. Yeah, but that is part of the excitement of the Olympics. That you know, there's always something happening. But you only get you. There's a few events that you get excited about, like figure skating. And then, you know, everything else just seems like a lot of junk around it. You're kind of harsh on most sports. And Fezzi, for you, no Daytona 500? That's a fried turkey day. That's a deep fried turkey day. I am a fan of the fried turkey. If not the race, the fried turkey alone. Um, it is, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a tough one to call. Hey, Matt, what do you got? Hey, I, you know, I just called in and uh as you said olympics but every four years all the nations winter summer i mean the olympics is one of the top events i, I, I gotta agree with that too i mean the olympics is so far high up there for me because number one like the world cup you might not know all the names when it starts but why it comes on there's always some great individual event and you know that it made someone's life like when bruce jenner came in here to do our show all the shitty fucking reality shows that he's been in, the bad fucking movies, all that went away for me. We just started playing the fucking Olympic theme, and I saw an Olympic champion come in. It's fucking amazing. I mean, that's a life-changing event. A life-changing event for an individual. And that guy won the Olympic gold medal, Fez. And, uh, of course, when you win the decathlon... You are the best athlete in the world. It's not even debatable. At that moment, 
you're the best athlete in the world. And then he retired that second because you can't, in those days, you couldn't make any money. So it really is that thing of you're always wanting guys to go out at the top. This guy went out at the second he was at the top. Um, here is uh, Dave in North Carolina, you're in One thing that makes the World Cup different than like your Super Bowl is, I mean, we're not seeing like a month and a half of lead up waiting for the big game and the big tournament with all the advertisers and everything. So it kind of has like a pure thing to it where we're just not getting bombarded from every different direction with advertising. Um, yeah, I will uh, agree with that, but maybe only in the States. Um, and, you know, the fact that so many teams can show up and then you're just whittled down to one and all the countries representing. And the fact that it means so much to these other ham and eggers is just a blast. I mean, you know, the people in France, Fez pointed out yesterday, their government has stopped to find out what the fuck is wrong here. And, I mean, Fez sees that as silly. I got to say it is cool. There's a certain national pride. One thing that we don't have in our Super Bowl you know, when you know when you have a Super Bowl where it's like uh, New York versus Baltimore. Well, what are they, fucking 180 miles apart? I mean, what's the big deal there? But when you're talking about if every American was cheering for the same team, the same football team in a tournament, and it was very, very important for us to fucking prove that we had the best professional football players against all the other countries, we'd be going batshit in this country. I mean, we don't have anything like that to uh, to fucking pop up on. Um, Gary, in Indiana, you're on a fez. Hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, man, how come everything is Daytona 500, not the Indy 500? I mean, the cars are faster. Got a couple hot chicks driving, a couple of them. Well, a couple hot chicks and one farm girl. And there's like a quarter million people that show up there in one fucking day. I get I get it, but I think NASCAR has done a, a much better job in America of saying that this is the big event. I mean, other than the Indy 500, I don't think uh, a lot of casual people could name you another race. NASCAR yeah. is just more in our mind. And I'm not, I'm not a gigantic NASCAR fan. Uh, but, you know, I did live in Florida, I did live in Daytona, and got caught up in that as a one-event, a one-event type of thing. So even though uh, I don't think any of us here on this show happen to be big NASCAR fans, when that event rolls around, you end up watching it. You're like, what? Well, who's the... Whatever happened to the Rainbow Warrior? How come he can't win anymore? Whatever happened to that guy, Fez? I don't know. He's like all of a, he was always Mr. Nice Guy in NASCAR, mm -hmm. and I saw where he's like getting involved in like feuds now. I thought he was always hated in NASCAR. I thought everybody in NASCAR back when he used to win used to despise him. Well, you know, they hated him because he was Mr. Perfect, Mr. Nice Guy. I thought when, they hated him because he cheated. When I lived in Florida, for some reason, all the NASCAR what's his name? Jeff Gordon. Yeah, everyone always used to say he was either gay. Or a cheater. Uh, Chad, Maine, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, see, the World Cup is ranked number two with me with the Super Bowl. But here in the United States, nobody cares about soccer because the United States have never won. Um, so, uh, I'm going to, you know, it's definitely the growing out of all the major sports. Um, from what I understand, some of these, uh, the U.S. games have been ranking higher than the Stanley Cup games and also the NBA Finals. So 
to say nobody cares is just not paying it, is maybe only comparing it to football. Uh, it's massively growing, and this helps it more than anything else, being involved in a World Cup. Uh, and generally, Americans uh, always kind of have this weird rooting thing where you root for the USA and then whatever ethnic background you have to have. So I know a lot of Italian uh, buddies really upset right now uh, with Italy and laying down and crying, much like the Italian uh, players. Bobby in New York, you're in Fez. I just, I, I don't know, uh, this is something to think about, but I find it ironic that sports has been in a pinnacle the last few years. I mean, the hockey and the Olympics and, you know, even that, that tennis match just passed, the World Cup, the Giants and the Patriots and the Super Bowl, just sports have been at, at a ridiculous high and the world has been a ridiculous low with, you know, the economy and government and the oil spill. It just seems like everything is going wrong everywhere else except for sports. Um... You know, maybe it just feels that way, or maybe because things are going wrong, you start to use sports as this, you know, just something to add some excitement and happiness to your life. I mean, that is one of the things about sports, is that you can think about something that, quite frankly, isn't that big a deal, and then you can bet on it. If we ever get around to betting on the elections, you'll see some fucking people showing up at the polls. And we ought to say you can only bet on, like, local congressional races. And people will be mad crazy going door to door. Um, Matt, in Connecticut, you're in Rana Fez. Hey, Ron. If you uh, yeah. go to YouTube and type in USA soccer fans go nuts, I think it's the first video. It's a, about a minute in. It's a compilation of bars from all over the country, from Seattle to Nebraska to South Carolina, just losing their mind. I, I, I saw that today. I think Huffington Post uh, put it up, and I sent it to a friend of mine. And uh, they said they got uh, a little teared up there. Uh, it, we really do look like Europeans now. And from what I understand, at U.S. soccer games, people have been singing, which is really weird. Um, here is... Um, Here's Dave. Dave in Maryland, you're in Rana Fez. Hey, Ronnie. How you doing? Yeah. Hey, uh, do you remember back in the 60s when the uh, United States was just struggling to get a ski team together and mm -hmm. now we dominate? Right. I see the World Cup going the same way. Just got to get the interest there and, keep, and hold it, develop it, and we will dominate. Well, look, let's look where, where we are right now. We're still in this. Italy's not. We're still in this. France is not. Uh, we tied England. I mean, they put 100% of their focus on this sport, and we tied them, and in group play, we finished ahead of them. So we're making gigantic fucking strides here. For some reason, people feel like, unless you're at the championship game, you know, it's not happening. But it's always really cool to be in anything as it's rising. Because I'm not going to sit around and defend professional football because they don't need it. It's, all, it's fucking like cheering for the Yankees. I'll leave that to Earl and Dave. That's the easiest thing in the world to do. Um, let's go over here to uh, Jeff in Buffalo. You're in manifest. Uh, yeah, the reason I think that soccer never really caught on in the U.S. is because the U.S. is just so physically far removed from the rest of the league. Uh, we're just so far away from Europe, but they, they, have the, they can have that rivalry because their countries are so close to each other. Uh, well, you can you can say that, but in the meantime, it's the biggest sport in the whole world. 
and other fucking places are, you know, growing very fast with it. The Koreas, uh, Japan is growing fast. South America, they already dominate it. I mean, the thing that keeps it out for us is that professional football, you know, grew at the same time, and we all loved it. But it doesn't mean there's not just tons of people who don't like football, uh, world football in this country. Um, here's uh, Jason. You're on my Fez. Hey, guys. I want to put World Cup to me as like somewhere below J- JV football. I mean, in America, we got so many other sports that we concentrate on. We, we dominated in the world hockey. We were uh, a couple goals away from winning gold in that. We dominated so many sports. Soccer is just like, okay, this is something new. We'll take all the kids who can't accomplish greatness in other sports, and we'll see if they'll do okay in this. Um, I really couldn't uh, disagree with you more. I couldn't disagree with you more. There's great athletes playing in, in these games on the U.S. side. And again, we tied England. For the people that don't like soccer, it's almost like one more blue state, red state thing. There's the I've met the people that I, are into World Cup so much, and the people that seem to just despise that it's even on a TV. But don't act like you can't understand it, because I was there before, and so were you. Mm-hmm. I remember telling people, what the fuck? I thought we won World War II so we didn't have to play soccer. What's this guy with knee nice on his fucking back? They've got him all taped up. He's all wrapped up. Um, let's head on over here to, uh, uh, Bill. Bill, you're on the run of Fest show. I think I explained that seven to five, my buddy. What do you say, pal? Hey, uh, I just wanted to tell you this, uh, great itchy bond I just heard. Yeah. Uh, on Sunday, the Chicago Gay Hockey Association has invited the Blackhawks to their uh, gay pride parade with the Stanley Cup, and, uh, they're going to, uh, be in the parade. With the Stanley Cup, uh, defenseman Brent Sopel is going to... Bill, if it's guy. Chicago, that entire city should be in the parade. Nobody should be watching. I don't understand how you could have a gay parade, uh, pride parade there. Uh, Gary, you're on manifest. Hey, buddy. Good afternoon. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of neat that we're, everything we're talking about, our favorites, are the, the finale of the season or the championships. But yet the Daytona 500 is the very first race of the season, which kind of means... A lot of people really don't care about the rest of that season. It's the very first thing. Yeah, and it is, and it's kind of a kickoff, and the fact that it comes a couple weekends after the Super Bowl gives you something to, you know, plan a party around. But it is very, very strange that uh, that they kick their biggest event of the year is their first event. It's like if baseball opening day was the biggest thing of the whole uh, world. Um, Here is uh, Frank. Frank in New York, you're on Renefez. Yeah, we're on uh, World Cup has been number one. Go figure. If your country, if your team loses, the whole country mourns. It's not just you know if the Yankees lose, right? It's only just New York fans. Yeah, that is the strangest thing, and you can literally say, uh, you look at some of these places, and you know, I mean, imagine what it feels like to be in Ghana right now, knowing that you're playing the United States and your chance. For your little fucking country to take the U.S. down, that country, uh, they won't be sleeping. They won't be fucking sleeping tonight. Um, here's uh, Brian, Philly. You're on my Fez. Hey, what's up, Brian? What's up, Fez? Yeah. The uh, today Portugal beats Brazil. That puts Brazil in that group with all the uh, Argentinians and Mexico and all those guys. And we got a great chance if we can get by Ghana to uh, to advance all the way to the semifinal and possibly play Spain. 
So it's 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 a huge game on, on Saturday. You're gonna be freaking out, man. Oh my god, we're gonna be tearing Philly apart. I'm gonna go to one of those uh, bars I saw people just losing their, losing their shit and crying and hugging each other. Um, John, you're on the Runafest show. Hey, Ronnie B. Yeah. Hey, reason why soccer hasn't really caught on to the United States is lack of exposure. The networks aren't going to show it simply because there's really no place within soccer for advertisement time. Just not to mention, too, we've spent years, years and years trying to move away from anything European. Even the inception of baseball. I mean, that was just so we wouldn't have to play cricket. So Yeah, but it's but here's the deal. We're not a separatist country anymore. It's everybody in the world mixes now. You know, everybody in the you don't even run into people. If you run into people who are like, I don't care what happens over there. I, I like it over here. They're, they're generally going to be elderly. You know, you don't have this giant fear of the rest of the world the way your parents and grandparents grew up because of the world wars and the fact that, you know, you would have had to take an ocean liner or a dangerous plane trip to get to Europe. People mix. I go walking through uh, New York City. I hear every goddamn language in the world. Everybody in the world comes to New York. And most of them are here uh, not as tourists. Most of them are even here on business or, you know, because their job took them here. So there's a, a phenomenal amount of mixture now that never happened before. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Dan in Phoenix, you're on fez Hey, guys. Uh, I haven't talked to you guys since, like, 2001. But anyway, um, I think you're right. He hit, it on the, he hit it on the nose. But every four years, this is coming up. And I'm a very traditional baseball, football, grown-up American apple pie guy. And, dude, I'm into it. It's yeah. like having over and over a, a, a Super Bowl, not, you know, literally. But, I mean, but I, I'm into it. I, I, my, I, my, I took my kid to play soccer last summer. I heard the six words I never thought I'd ever hear, which is, your son is good at soccer. <laughs> that's you the funniest shit I ever heard. Little you know, but I think that's it. I think you hit it on the head. It's it's coming around. It's the, every four years, and it's just like the Super Bowl of every country going on. Yeah, I, I think it's just interesting on that. And, uh, you know, like you said, you don't have to put your other sports away. I don't know why I run into some people, and they're like, no, I like American football. I guess, so do I. I'm not putting it down. I'd like to see Watley's Tampa Bay team go to maybe five wins this year. Any chance, Fez? Um, I don't think so. No? You're just going into your whole season just being depressed? I'm worried. The defense may be much better with the draft picks, but, I mean, those are rookie guys. It's a lot to put on them. All right, here's your uh, Tampa Bay coach, Fez. Uh, Raheem Morris? Yeah, Raheem Morris. And how old is he? Eight, nine? I think he's like 26 or 28 years old. It's just... One of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. Um, but this is what he said about NFL training camp, which just started off. You take off your underwear, you put on your big boy pads, and you put your face on people. Now, you want to talk about a fucking gay sport, ladies and gentlemen. That's one of the strangest things I've ever heard a head coach say. Oh, let me change that, because now my confidence in this team has just uh, swollen. You think... You think they might drop a little bit, not pick up those three wins? Yeah. Um, uh, later on in the show today, we'll have our interview with Dr. Death himself, Jack Kevorkian. Jack Kevorkian, uh, 
brand new uh, documentary. They did the movie on him, but a documentary is coming up on June 28th on HBO. HBO called Kevorkian. I got a chance to see it, and uh, I think you guys are going to. Uh, I think you're going to find it interesting, particularly the libertarians. He's a complex man. Don't get me wrong about this. He's a complex man. And only some of the things that he says, uh, you're like, well, that's 100% true. Uh, but then, like most political zealots, he goes to places that go along a little more. But if you think that this is just about uh, assisted suicide, I think that you, you'd be wrong on it. So coming up a little later on... Um, Jack of Orkin, and maybe after the fact, we could talk about it. You've always been against assisted suicide, right, Fez? Yeah. Regardless of how much pain that family member is, you just don't want them. Right. It's, it's, to me, it just feels so much like murder of a loved one. Even if that person said, I want you to do this thing for me, you just couldn't do it. I, there is no way I could do it. There mm. Absolutely no way. You know what I love about you, Fez? What's that? You can be counted on. You can always be counted on. Um, that's why I don't think you will ever see the name Fez Watley in another human being's living will. It would be the stupidest fucking thing. It would be almost as dumb as handing your Fez your wallet and say, make sure you go down to the store and get that for me. Whatever it happened to be. Um, let's uh, go to Phil, Chicago. You're on Fez. Yeah, Ronnie, I was wondering, the guy mentioned skiing earlier and how we got into that and started to take that over. I don't think that really happened until we tasted some kind of success in that. And you think maybe that's the problem with soccer is that if we tasted more success in it, maybe it would breed a little more interest. Dude, there's no problem with soccer. It's a growing sport, and it's growing uh, at its own fucking pace, and it's doing extremely well. You know, we're down to now uh, in the final 16, one more game, and we're in the final eight in the world. That's fucking great. That's phenomenal. Particularly since, uh, like you said, we're playing catch-up ball with the rest of the world. Uh, for me personally, I really think only the people who want to be into it should, you know, go check it out. And when I, when this thing is over, I have doubts that I'm going to find myself a Red Bull fan, but you can't say it hasn't been an exciting, fun ride here. Well, it came along perfectly this year because Lost ended. I had no, I didn't have any television that I had lined up for the summer other than Big Brother. I have nothing to say back to these statements. I would have no idea how to tie this into Lost and Big Brother and, and your viewing uh, uh, capabilities. Let's go over here to Rick in Florida. You're on Renefest. Um, yeah, I was just calling to say um, that maybe it's because American players have evolved lately that um, the World Cup is gaining a little bit more momentum in the United States. Yeah, but there's also a lot of interest in even the other teams that you're having a chance to watch fucking great athletes from all over the world. All right, uh, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Um, I had a little thought today, and I don't know where it came from or why I'm, I'm sticking with it. But one thing that I have not seen in a long time and have no idea why is a person on crutches. 
Remember how it just seemed like you would always go somewhere and see somebody on crutches or you would have a friend on crutches? I haven't seen anything with crutches in a while. And I don't want to, I'm going to knock here and jinx, but I even started looking around the city and I'm not seeing people on crutches. I think people are opting for the wheelchair. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe a guy who sprains his foot and just immediately goes into an electric wheelchair. Take it easy on yourself. Jesus Christ, those crutches look like they fucking hurt your arm. Well, the crutches yeah. are going to fuck up your armpits. Yeah. There's no way around it. I had a buddy who uh, he got hit by a car. and was one of those deals where he was on crutches for like a year and a half. And every time I got fucked up, we were just kids. Every time I got fucked up, I would hide those crutch pads of his and make them go around. <laughs> Sometimes we'd be in the car, I'd chuck him out the fucking window so he'd have to get new ones. I tried to take his mind off the fact that his leg was shattered. But I don't, maybe it's just because it's always kids on crutches. I'm just not saying it, Fez. You remember the last time you saw anybody on crutches? No, I can't remember. And I was even in the emergency room this week oh, God. and didn't see anyone on crutches. Uh, Nate, you're on running Fez. Hey, Ronnie, Fez, yeah. and Dave. Um, I'm from Canada. I just don't, uh, I don't understand what the big deal is with your guys' Super Bowl. Like, it's so big, everyone's all, all the hypes about it, and, uh, chances are, like, your team's not even going to be there. Yeah, um, I get that, but you must feel that way about hockey, right? Yeah, but we're, it's, we're not all, you know, it's not like the biggest event ever if our team's not going to make it. Um, but it is your national sport. True. You do care at the end of the season who is uh, sitting on top, right? Yes, definitely. All right. So you can get it. Okay. Uh, think about this. For us, football is for you guys like when those lumberjacks start running on a fucking log in the water or you can see who can saw down a tree faster. You know how Canada goes nuts for that shit? There it is, Ronnie. You just put it in perspective. All right. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Eric in Kentucky, you're on a Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. You don't ever see anybody wearing uh, arm casts anymore. I know when I was growing up, it seems like one of my friends always had out. Constantly, people would be in a cast. You never see a little kid in a fucking cast. What the hell's happened? What medical breakthroughs have been taking place that I haven't been paying attention to? Um, Matt, you're on Runner Fez. Matt. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They got the uh, hard boots now. They don't need crutches. Oh, they got the what? The hard boot. You know, the, the physical hard boot. They don't need crutches anymore. Yeah, you get that kind of, like, air thing around your leg, and then I guess you can still fucking walk that thing. But I thought that was just for when you're laying down and to support your shit. I know you can walk on it. You literally have to support your shit? I think you always have to support your shit. We're talking about uh, like some of the medical breakthroughs a little bit. I was up in uh, Woodstock a couple weeks ago, and we're driving down the road, and uh, some people are walking the other way. And there was a little girl, maybe six, seven years old, and uh, had lost both her legs. Both legs were gone. And she, had the, and she was wearing shorts and had these artificial legs, one on each leg, and was walking down the street no differently than any of her friends. And it was just like mind-blowing to me because when I was a kid, this little girl would have been in a wheelchair forever. And now she has the an inconvenience instead of just a life-changing thing. But it's an amazing, 
amazing thing that happens. With all those weird, like, half, uh, half moon, whatever, um, things that, like, bounce? No, she wasn't wearing those, uh, like, little weird things there. The at, runners have those. Yeah, well, no, they can, I've actually seen people in the street with them, too, but, um, apparently you can go too fast on those. You can almost go too fast. They're a little springy. Um, here's Drew in Tacoma, you're on my face. What's up, buddies? Yeah. Hey, so, uh, Bethany just crutches all the time. Oh, gay rights. Oh, I'm scared of this. I'm scared of that. Boo. Um, we're not listening to you today, sir. It's a Friday. It is a Friday, and we're going to enjoy. Uh, Gary, you're on my face. Oh, uh, yeah. How you doing? Uh, yeah. We had a buddy years ago who was on crutches long term. Every time we go to a concert, we would use him to smuggle our beer in. He would take our foster oil cans because security would never check a guy on crutches. The problem was when he got drunk, trying to push him up the stairs, on yeah, I mean, it it used to be a gigantic part of life that one of your buddies was always in a cast. Uh, Frank in Texas, you're on my face. Hey, buddies. Yeah. Hey, I was just thinking uh, kids aren't going crutches or casts anymore because they never go in, outside. They're always inside playing video games. I, kids are complete pussies today. Frank, I hate to say this, I, and it didn't even dawn on me because I was thinking we made medical jumps, but yeah. You're not going to see a kid climbing a fucking tree I or, or playing tackle football without pads. Fuck no, it's Facebook. Yeah, they're staying at home Facebooking each other and playing uh, fake farm online. Got to fucking plant those turnips, baby. I don't even understand it. Even after people explained it to me, I don't understand what goes on in the world. Um, Chris, you're on a fez. Hey, how's it going, guys? Yeah. Uh, I just want to make a comment about how uh, you don't ever see casts anymore. I actually work in an operating room in a I get two radio university, shows. and uh, you basically don't see casts anymore because every kid that you see that comes through gets a titanium plate or screw or something. That way they don't have to wear a cast, and plus it costs like exponentially amount more money. So. That's basically the reason. They're just, it's just a money-making scheme. So they just Nobody get like a little teeth. screw in their leg, and it does everything that a cast could have done before. Basically. And uh. it costs a shitload more money, so people are making more money off of it. And um, it stays in there forever. And I guess it's a little bit more reliable than some paper mache wrapped around your arm or whatever, but... It's not as fun. You don't get to sign on it. Yeah, you don't get I to sign somebody's... That. Uh, that was always the biggest thing in the world of... I, uh... Wish... Uh, I had a cast because then everybody in the class would have to come over and write something very funny on my leg, such as tough break. Or a cock picture. <laughs> you write a cock picture, then that kid's going to have to scrape it off before he gets home. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. You know, the grown-up uh, movie is going on, Fez, and uh, all the uh, Adam Sandler and all his friends... Chris Rock, David Spade, and all those people are getting together and they're doing a big fun movie about it. Um, but it actually reminded me of you a little bit, an interview that I saw, where where people just, you know, you can only get away with this is my problem for so long. Sure. And uh, Sandler and Chris Rock were talking about David Spade. And they were doing this thing of, I guess when he was a kid, he 
got his back or his neck broken or something. So sitting on airplanes always becomes a problem. And if he give, goes to a movie theater, he takes his own chair and sits down on it. And even then, he doesn't normally stay the same mo- say it's the same movie because he has these chronic back problems. And they were just acting like he was the fucking Queen of England. You know what I mean? Like, they just could not understand. Like, instead of acting like, you know, he's got this problem, they just acted like he was picky and really somewhat effeminate. They would not... And you only get, like, if you have a problem in life, physical, mental, whatever, you only get a short window before everybody just says, dude, I'm a little fucking tired of talking about it. Um, and I got some fucking letter from some lady who says, you know, I pick on you too much. Why don't I baby you uh, more or whatever? Why don't I just jump in and help you? And I just write, the fucking world doesn't work that way. You're not giving, it's no fucking credit to the guy if you constantly don't, you treat him unlike you would anyone else. And I realize Fez has these fucking problems that he does what he can do to deal with them. But I'm so fucking sick of them. And it's nothing about you personally, Fez. It's just you can't be around stuff without saying, I don't want to fucking talk about this every day. And it's the weirdest thing, and I was really fucking laughing hard that these guys had zero fucking compassion for their friend's chronicness. They just thought of him as some... Rich, effeminate pussy who needs to take his own chair to a movie theater, and it's an embarrassment. And then they're acting like, and he can't even sit there the whole time. A fucking crybaby. Uh, it's just the way the world works. And that's what I was talking about with that little girl. Um, yeah, she doesn't have her legs. She's got to get artificial legs. And then she's going to work those fuckers. Or else the other kids are just going to leave her behind. You really, if something fucking happens to you... You just got to fucking deal with it. Um, let's go over here to uh, Joe. Joe in South Dakota. You're in Fez. Hey, Ron. Yeah. The fucking world is padded. Parents are overprotective. Kids can't go out and play. Like you said, they won't be up in a tree. They can't even go out and fucking ride their bikes in the hills. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I guess that is uh, a real big uh, part of it, you know? I guess that is a real big part of it. Um, you're not going to uh, you're not going to see that involved. Uh, Mike Tucson, you're on Ronnie B. Hey, I yeah. wanted to call in and comment that uh, Rorschach used to be Eastside Dave's biggest fan, but you know what? I haven't heard him comment once about uh, missing Dave or anything like that. Hasn't been sticking up for him at all. What do you what's the deal with that? What is there to stick up for Dave? No one well, is. Know, a, no one is against Dave. If, now maybe a little support though, you know, maybe uh, maybe to call in and uh, wish him well or anything like that. I haven't heard anything come out of him. He just seems uh, uh, kind of nonchalant. Maybe he called him at home or sent him an email at home. Um, yeah. Those two always uh, kept in touch off the air. But it, there, you know, everybody fucking supports uh, Dave, and we all knew what he was going up against. And quite frankly, if you want to pull the fucking curtain back up, they haven't fucking replaced Dave yet. Nope. You know, so you want to support somebody, support fucking Pepper Hicks. Because, uh, you know, we have the same problems right now with Rob Cross than before fucking Dave left. Every day of, hey, we hearing anything, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, not everyone has signed off on it yet. This World Cup is great. 
You know, these fucking guys, they do whatever. You know, they're in a corporation. No, the fucking, you know, you want to fucking, oh, what's really going on? You don't fucking know all this shit. Why should you? But seriously, fucking, you know, it's not like Pepper's life has gotten fucking better. What are you talking about? I was here to learn last night. And then they're busting his balls about something yesterday. With They should have been patting his fucking back on. Everybody fucking supports everybody. And don't go around taking fucking Rorschach's temperature of how he feels about something. He's Dave's buddy. Support him how? Everybody fucking supports him. Uh, Jeff, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hi, I'm uh, on crutches. And Lame! Lame! Uh, Brendan, you're on the Run of Fest show. What's going on, buddy? Yeah. Uh, just wanted to call and uh, say the World Cup was kind of like the Super Bowl and the Olympics all rolled into one together, but... Um, Pepper Hanks does a great job for you, and uh, I think well, we're all out here supporting so you. So you think of it as Super Bowl and Olympics. Plus Olympics, yeah. Uh, and, you know, when people are going, you know, the soccer's not big, and the reason why it's not catching it's the this is the biggest event in the world. It's the biggest event in the world. It's the biggest televised event in the world. Even though it's zero to zero when you're watching two of the best teams. I, I can't fucking defend that. Strange. Um, John, John, you're on Manifest. Hey, Ron, how you doing today, buddy? Good. Well, I could, hey, man, I've got a question, dude. Like, what do you think about these people that are on disability for, like, man, I'm depressed and I can't do this, and you got some motherfuckers all crippled up. He's going to work, still typing his keyboard and shit, and some dude sitting at home getting a disability check because he's depressed. I mean, what kind of shit is that? Just want to get your opinion on that. Well, you know, when you really go back to the fucking individual, where people get really mad about somebody who's depressed and they've decided, you know, I'm too depressed to work or whatever. It's not like that person has a great life. You know, there's not like tons of money coming in, you know. And I don't know. I don't know what makes one person say, I'm going to battle my way back and another person not. I know in my family, two different women had strokes. And one from day one said, I'm not going to deal with this. And started to work really hard at it. And I remember being a little kid. She was always squeezing a tennis ball and doing stuff. And I had another aunt who had a stroke in her 30s, and the following day was an old lady. She just, this sucks, can't believe it happened to me, don't want to deal with it. And basically, like, the same thing happened to both people. One came back 100%, and the other one has been on disability for, you know, almost, well, definitely most of her adult life, you know. It's it's the weird thing. I don't know why some people say I'm um you know you're going to get knocked down in life. It's only a matter of whether you fucking stay down or not. And that's why like that fucking first Rocky movie was so fucking great. 
You don't have to have the best fucking skills. You don't have to have anything. But you do have to fucking get up. You got to get up. Fuck yeah, I agree. Life isn't fair. Not even fucking slightly fair. But it's probably fucking more unfair to other people. You know, I'm sure that if you started to really, if they had some kind of rankings, uh, you're going to run into people who've had a worse fucking shot than you. But you know, I don't know. If you ever played poker, you could deal with a fucking shitty hand. You just don't start crying. Say, I can't play poker. I'm terrible at it. You just got to keep fucking playing until you get the hand. You can fucking play. Do what Pepper Hicks does. Lose all your money. Stay in it. Lose quick. But is there a buyback in, though? <laughs> There's always a buyback in. All right, Fuck. I'm down then. It's fine. It's, it's going to work out. I'll fucking lose it like you? Fuck yeah. You're more than welcome. Hey, it's my wallet. <laughs> I'm not using it. You're taking fucking rings off. Taking frames from around pictures. I'll be back in 15 minutes. Get some money. You never know. Um... Let's go over here to uh, Jim. Jim in uh, South Dakota, you're on fest. Hey, buddies. Uh, Ron. Yeah. Every day now with your problems. You're right. Come on. Can we get back to the show? You're 100% right, Jim. And let me apologize to everybody. I uh, I shouldn't go on about my fucking problems. Well, I got, uh, got a little pussy on you there for a couple of minutes, folks. Got a little, what I like to say, cunty. Just got a little slightly cunty on you. Um, by the way, I brought up the David Spade and all that. Who's all in this Grown Ups movie? You got Adam Sandler, mm -hmm. Chris Rock, David Spade, Kevin James, and Rob Schneider. Those are the Grown Ups. And from what I hear, Fez, these five funny men have come together and made just a shitty movie. So shitty, I'm, I'm frightened to go see it. Because the reviews on it are like, you will wish you were dead. I mean, they are so fucking far. And it's always amazing that you can take five guys that are funny. And, you know, there might be like some kind of rule of thumb. That if on any project, the people who are doing it are having fun, then it's no fun for anyone else. Because you know who used to have fun? Uh, Burt Reynolds and his Cannonball Run people. And those things are just dog shit. Absolutely dog shit. Maybe it was just too much. Maybe five, you know, like a buddy picture, maybe should just have two buddies. Maybe five buddies just breaks the formula. You know, you are right. And that's probably why Goodfellas and The Godfather didn't work. There was just too many people at Reservoir Dogs. Horrible because too much talent. You just really have to take it down to where it's like a romantic comedy, but with two guys. No, it doesn't make any sense. These five guys should have shown up and been fucking hysterical. Well, the trailers are really confusing because I thought I thought I read the review of it today. Yeah. And they told me the plot. I thought they were camp counselors in this movie from the fucking uh, trailers. It made no sense. It didn't tell you anything about the movie. Oh, I, I don't know. know. I just wanted to have... One fucking dang wow! Sit in the air conditioning, laugh it up. You know, Chris Rock is saying something, and I'm my popcorn's going in the air, and I'm just wiping fucking tears away, high fiving strangers. I just want to fucking just lean ahead and 
grab two fucking uh, a couple in front of me that I've never met, just scream in their faces. Do you believe how funny this shit is? This is fucking great. I'm coming back here tomorrow with my friends. Oh, I can't have it. One day. I don't understand. Just make a nice, big, funny summer movie. You got enough guys there? You think you'd be able to go like this? Go ahead, Rock. Go fucking do your thing. They should have just stopped the movie. Rock should have got up and did 10 minutes of stand-up. I'd love to see something fucking make me laugh. Um... Let's go over to uh, Jeff. Jeff, you're on with Fez. Hey, buddy. Love the show. Um, hey, Fez, you're contradicting a little bit what you said earlier. Uh, I think earlier you guys were talking about big summer movies, and you were looking forward to The Expendables that has all those action stars in it. Oh, yeah, that, and that's not till like, late August. That's, like, wrapping up the summer. Too many people in it. Too many people. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go see that one, but I don't have high hopes for it. And actually, all it's going to take is, you know, people saying, don't go to... I don't know what it is about a fucking movie, but I just... If someone says to me, this is the awful, the worst movie, I'm like, fuck. I could be standing in line with my ticket. Somebody's walking out and goes, this blows. I'm like, fuck you. I'll throw my ticket at the usher. Fucking knock him over and then run out the door. I don't want to be stuck in there in a terrible thing. Um... It could be like spread so bad it's good. No. But here's the thing. Spread, you couldn't have sat in the movies. I can't enjoy a really bad movie if I'm in the movie. Then I feel like I'm being choked. But if I'm watching on TV, particularly late at night, and it's so bad that it's good, um, I have to say to myself, I, I wonder who's awake that I could call right now, make them watch this movie with me. Uh, Chris, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie, what's the uh, last movie you saw in theater that you really uh, laughed, your, laughed your ass off? Uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. 866 run zero fez 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, coming up a little later on in the show, uh, Fezzy, Smiling Jack Kevorkian. Cracker Jack is, uh, we've got an interview with him. Uh, of course, it's about euthanasia. And uh, maybe when that's over, we'll do it, I'd say, about 1 o'clock. Um, and then after that, we'll talk just a, a bit about whether or not uh, you think people should have the right to assisted suicide. For me, it's a no-brainer. No fucking brainer. Nothing I even have to think about. Um, and I don't know what's going on with the euthanasia. Quite frankly, they're acting like crazy people. Their hair's blue. They're like computers. They're like little animes. Uh, we'll take a break. Right back. Run a fez. Sirius 197 XM 202. The virus. The Ron and Fez Show. Get yourself to a 7-Eleven. It's hot out. You need refreshment. You need a big gulp. You go in there, fill up the big gulp cup with your favorite soft drink, and you get something extra this summer. You get a code for one of your favorite online games. It sounds exciting. It's like a, it's a code, 
and it's actually a gift. It's a little gift from Seven Eleven. Which is it? It's a. Uh, and you get a code and a gift. No, it's a code. Can I ask you this? Which they, is a gift? Do they have code drinks there? They have very code I, drinks. I love a nice code drink. And these are games like uh, Mafia Wars. Oh, I saw that on Mafia Life Chris's uh, Facebook. Amazing. This is a different one. Farmville and Yoville. All these games that you can play online. You get your specially marked Big Gulp Cup. And then you get to walk away with a code for these games. Like the Farmville Big Splash Pool where your cows can go swimming while you're playing Farmville. The Mafia Wars Trio Diva Vehicle. The Mafia uh, Life Wars are on, buddy. Is not stopping. And that's going to help you take on different uh, gangs, different mafia rivals. And the Yeovil Hamburger Stand, where you're flipping burgers on the grill this summer while you're playing Yeovil and building up your community. All these things free at 7-Eleven with a specially marked Big Gulp Cup. Go into 7-Eleven, get your Big Gulp, and get your free code. Open to legal residents of the U.S. and Canada, excluding Puerto Rico and Quebec. You must be 13 years or older to participate. Visit buyearnplay.com for full terms and conditions. Void where prohibited. And that's while supplies last at 7-Eleven stores. Ron and Fez. The Virus on Sirius XM. Now, as your father probably told you, my name is Matt Foley, and I am a motivational speaker. Now, let's get started by letting me give you a little bit of a scenario of what my life is all about. First off, I am 35 years old, I am divorced, and I live in a van down by the river. Yeah, buddies. We're on a Fez show. Fez, I did you a little favor here, because I know you said I don't take um, much interest in the clients and what's going on uh-huh. in your sales stuff. I uh, put up a nice link. On 202 Friends of Mafia Wars. Oh, okay. Mafia Life Wars. Bam, bam. By the way, uh, I'm just going to say there's a certain girl living in Philadelphia who thinks she's operating me with her own mind. Kathleen from the Bronx thinks that if she has thoughts, I start to say them. Because she was thinking about uh, Rocky... And then I, I brought up Rocky. She drinking? She's thinking about Rocky every minute of the day. She sit, she sits down there, South Jersey, South Campton, South Pole, World Cup, World Series. Grateful Dead. And Grateful Dead, Jerry, Phil, Bill Walton. Rocking and rolling and whatnot. You know what I'm saying, Ronnie B. Uh, Fez, there's uh, somebody backing you up, though. There's some uh, online movie critic who's just furious that today's show has Cody Griffith. Griffith. 
Gifford? Well, Gifford? Gifford. Gifford. Yeah, I don't know why I couldn't say that right. Cody Gifford on their show and saying it's taking away from what all the other movie critics are trying to do. Yes, it's basically like a kids' beat show. So what? And the he, the only reason he's gotten this is because Kathy Lee, his mother, yes, has done this for him. Yes, I don't understand why that's a bad thing. I don't see it any. By the way, uh, Cody, who we all watch grow up over the years, he's show business and sports royalty. Um. His mom gave him a chance to do a little show, have a little part. Once a week, she puts her kid on the air to talk about this. And for some reason, it's uh, made him pissed, uh, everybody pissed off about it. And it's, to me, it's no different than if we, you know, let our intern talk about sports one day. He's not a qualified sports person. No, he's our intern that we interact with. And that seems to be silly for people. Uh, I don't, I, sometimes there's some people I think people just like to fuck with. They're like, I don't like them. You know who they say online gets picked on the most is uh, uh, Jaden Smith, uh, Smith, Will Smith's kid. Oh, the Karate Kid. No, he just had a giant movie. And again, he's a little kid. They can never leave the little kids alone in this world. Yeah, well, his dad's Will Smith. So, like, everyone feels carte blanche just attack him because, uh, you know, his fucking dad's Will Smith. But the weird thing is Will Smith doesn't get attacked. No, surprisingly not. He's left alone. Everybody's furious. And you know, we're running out of movie stars, ladies and gentlemen. I know they said that this uh, Tom Cruise movie opened a little light. Um, and they're all a little nervous about it. We don't have many bona fide uh, movie stars left. Will Smith's definitely one of them. Tom Cruise is still going to be a movie star. Yeah, uh, you will have Will Smith. Um, right now, the movie stars are the vampires. No, see, I disagree with that, because that'd be like saying Luke Skywalker is a movie star. No. The fucking movie is the movie star in that. I think you're a movie star when you can put a, a fucking movie on your back and, and carry it. Does that vampire kid have any hits outside of that? No. Has he tried? Yes. Yeah. So people are showing up to see that character. It's almost like if you start saying the guy who gets the bat suit is a bona fide movie star. No. Or the Superman cape. No. The movie is the movie star there. De Niro's still a movie star. I don't know if De Niro was ever really a movie star. I think he was more of a great actor. A movie star, to me, is the John Travolta, Tom Cruise types, because, let's face it, they're not even all that good, and yet people are showing up. Not that they're awful. But there's certainly, you're not going to put them in like a Philip Seymour Hoffman role. He's an actor. There are some people that are just movie stars. Very few people that you could say were a movie star and an actor. I'll put that into like a Jack Nicholson. That's a rare, a Marlon Brando was both. Johnny Depp is doing that now. Johnny Depp is a movie star. And an actor, although, yeah, he is. I was just going to fucking say he's not as big a movie star without the pirate stuff on. But really, uh, he had that other crazy fucking thing going this year. Alice in Wonderland. Which I didn't even know made a billion dollars. And so far, I'm the only person who's seen it. I had no idea that was a giant uh, World One movie. I heard some high school kids talking about eating mushrooms and going to see it on a train one night. All right, that makes perfect sense. It's definitely a mushroom movie. Um... 
Jeremy, you're on Ronnie Fez. Yeah, Ronnie B. I think the biggest movie star going right now is Leo DiCaprio. Well, I got high hopes for him this summer. He's also a great actor, though. I'm not sure which he falls into. Or if he is going to be a, a both. But like Sylvester Stallone in his day, movie star. Mm -hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger, movie star. You wouldn't say great actors, but they were big movie stars. They could do some pretty crappy things and there would be lines. I think Will Ferrell qualifies as a movie star, even though he had the bomb with uh, the Senator of the Earth movie, or Land of the Lost. Yeah, it gets weird with comedians. Are they really, you know, movie stars? Oh, it's an odd way to go back and forth on it. But we're running out of them. There's not a lot of them uh, out there right now. Uh, speaking of movies, the Academy Awards are talking about moving back to January as of this year. They're not saying one way or another, but they might just do it quick in January. The problem is this. Well, obviously, all the other awards have ran in front of them and taken away the surprise and shock. And you're almost, you almost have award fatigue by the end of this. Um, but they, they go, all right, if we vote online, we can do this fast. Problem is, they have a lot of elderly voters. So they don't know whether they can pull this off, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Here's Sam in Boston. You're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, Ron, I want to know uh, what you think about George Clooney. Movie star or actor? Great actor. What do you think? I think he's probably closer to being a movie star, even though he won the Academy Award. I'll go so far as saying he is... Uh, the jury's still out on him. But he's going to fall into one side or the other. I say he's definitely a movie star. I mean, don't he plays? He's kind of the same kind of guy. that's the cool guy in every movie. He's definitely a movie star. He's not, he's done fucking French in cans on fucking French villas partying with Brad Pitt or whatever. He's a movie star. He's you. Oh, so for you, Brad Pitt's just a movie star. He's not an actor. I say that he could be. Uh, he's, he falls in the movie star too. He's, I think with all he's, this tabloid bullshit. I think Brad Pitt's more actor. But here's the weird thing about it: if he was just an actor, if he was in this fucking bill, if he came up here, yeah today, right? Mm -hmm. Would the place go nuts and go running down here? they go insane. Would If Philip Seymour Hoffman, would people go running down the steps? No. There we'd go. Oh, that's really cool. If Brad Pitt came, to, came up here, the building might collapse. I know. I people would be out. fucking bouncing off the walls. And we have a lot of big people who come through here, but only occasionally does the whole place go, you know, secretaries get up and start going, I just want to see him. Um, Benjamin, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, buddies. Yeah. Tom Hanks both pulls people into movies, not a bad actor, movie star actor. Um, might be a little bit both, but I'm going to say leans closer to being a movie star. Adam, you're a manifest. Hey, guys. Um, seems like everybody's just mentioning males, so I'm wondering if you had a female perspective on the biggest movie star. I thought of Angelina Jolie, but are there, can a female be a movie star? Yeah. Can a great actress? It, so what it, do we got besides Angelina? Well, it is still, I think, number one, and people are still talking about going to see her movie, whether they should or not, but Julia Roberts. She's got one of the more talked about fucking movies. Eat, Pray, Love, that shit. Yeah, that Eat, Pray, Love, all the ladies are going to go to. But, like, if you go to uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, that fucking series is the movie star, not her. If she does that thing, the women are talking about it. But if she's just in something else, 
like if her and her husband see a murder and then have to move to Wyoming. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, Malcolm, you're on Ronnie Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Um, what do you think about Elvis? Movie star or actor? Oh, I, don't, I don't even know how to start that. He's a movie star. <laughs> His movies were the worst fucking things in the world. And they were, everybody went to him at the time. And you still might watch these pieces of shit on cable if you're lucky enough to run into one. Uh, my favorite is Nacapoco, where he's just in this tiny fucking pair of shorts. He's a diver, obviously. He's a cliff diver in Acapulco. He's wearing the tightest little fucking shorts and is walking everywhere with a little Mexican kid who he claims uh, is his manager or his agent or something. And there's different times. Elvis would stand like a girl, like with his fucking pussy out, you know? And he would just be cocked to face with this little kid throughout the whole movie. I have, I have, this is a fucking film that I watched Stone before and never, I mean, I was crying watching it. Now, here's the other the thing that's funny about it. So he's a cliff diver in Acapulco. And I don't think at any point Elvis was there. He's just walking in front of a movie screen of Mexico. They must have shot this in his garage in Graceland or something. And he was just walking around the garage. Hey, Paco, you're my manager, man. I'm going to go drive off that cliff. Her daddy don't want me to date her, but I'm going to. See, every Elvis movie, somebody would be sent somebody's father. You're not to be with that guy. He's a rebel, an outsider. And Elvis would, at a certain point, he would like yell at the woman, why don't you go back to your rich daddy? You know, he would, he would get mad. But then at the end, they'd all come together as a family. You're no good for her. You're an outsider. I'm going to prove you wrong. And then later he'd be like, your daddy's right. I'm nothing. I'm garbage. I'm white trash. No, Elvis, you're the best. Um, let's uh, go over to uh, Brandon. You're on Fez. Hey, Ron. Uh, Vinny Chase, he's a movie star. We'll find out soon whether he's a great actor or not. Here's the point. He thinks he's an actor, but I think he's just a movie star. Yeah. That starts Sunday, Fez? Start Sunday on HBO, 10.30. Paco, get over here, man. You're my manager now. Try to find me the biggest cliff to dive off of. See, Elvis. Uh, let's go over here. Speed, you're on my face. Hey, what about Meryl Streep? She's a, she's a great actress. Great and actress, but forward. lately people are treating her like she's a movie star. Beth, you're on my face. Hey, guys, what about Sean Penn? Great actor. Uh, Luke, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie B. Yeah. Nick Cage. We've seen his chops in Adaptation and Raising Arizona, but his movie selections, eh, I think we consider him a movie star because of that. Could have been a great actor. Decided to uh, suck the devil jizz out of Jerry Bruckheimer's cock and be a movie star. And then still, the fucking funny thing about it is he did it for the money. Still doesn't have enough money because he can't drive by a house without fucking buying it. And here's my favorite thing about Nick Cage. Half the time he pretends he's Elvis, even in his regular life. I had him in, uh, I saw him over at Hooters one day. And he came along and he was wearing Elvis glasses. And he was just, in his regular life, he just had on Elvis glasses. And he, he was saying to the girl, thanks so much for that. That was great, man. Really enjoyed those wings. And he was like, he's like Elvis, but he can't sing. 
So he decided, I just like Elvis for his acting. The one fucking part of it you shouldn't have went to. I'm going to be a roustabout in this or a helicopter pilot. Maybe I'm going to be diving for, for gold. Remember, you ever see that one where he's like a scuba diver? Fucking just crazy shit in these Elvis movies. I've never seen an Elvis movie, but you make oh, them sound like I got it in the book of Washington. There's a ton of them. They're all nutty as shit. And then you'll take the original rock and roll star just singing the worst songs ever. He'll be like, We're going to get some breaded clams. Get some breaded clams, yeah. And you're like, What is he fucking doing? What? How is this a fucking song? And then another thing. He'll always run into some trouble with some college guys and then do karate on them. And then they'll always say stuff like, hey, no karate stuff. Fuck those preppy assholes. Yeah, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't fuck around with it. Um, Patrick, you're on Fez. Yeah, uh, Ed Norton, uh, great actor. I don't know about the movie star thing now. Uh, great actor. Bill, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, I got two things. Um, yeah. One, Billy Bob Thornton. Great actor decided to uh, become a, a crappy movie star. Or a weird, or really just off the fucking rails weirdo. He's also a little Elvis. You'll see him occasionally in his personal life acting like Elvis. It must be hard not to. When things start going your way and you drop them shades, you're like, let's Elvis this motherfucker. Um, here is uh, Red um, in Maryland. You're in my face. Hey, I want to ask about Jack Nicholson. What do you think of him? Jack Nicholson is a actor slash movie star. Now, hopefully, that you know you're no longer going to be driving people. I'd really like to see him play some more character roles. Although, when you have as much money as him and as much art, you might like. I want to stay at my house and look at the art. You heard that story he was trying to pick up, I think, like Kim Kardashian or somebody? They can invite him over. He wants to fuck everyone he sees. He's the shit. That's the beauty of him. He's going to end up on a reality show. And I love this. Sh I love him now is like they keep taking pictures of him with his shirt off. And, you know, he's in the 70s, so he's all droopy everywhere, and he just don't give a fuck. Nope. You just see him with young broads, <laughs> and he's fucking shaking his ass on a boat and just having um, uh, a great time. Greg, New Mexico, you're in my yeah, Ronnie, I wanted to know if you ever seen uh, Stay Away Joe with Elvis. He plays an Indian in it. That is considered his number one, like, acting, acting movie. But um, the fact that he's playing an Indian and has to deal with white people, I love. Some of them, like Kissing Cousins, where he plays two people, but what? they both act like Elvis. But one of them is Elvis with blonde hair. Fucking hysterical. Kid Galahad, where he's the boxer, who he's got this trainer. Guess who the the trainer that he thought he was friends with? Guess who the trainer's daughter wants to be with? Elvis. Um, let's go over here to uh, Brian Yerman Fest. You said Brian? Yeah, I did say Brian. Hey, what's going on, guys? What about uh, Denzel? Denzel falls into both categories. He's a great actor, and he's a legitimate uh, movie star, and now a uh, a great star of the boards. Right around the corner from here, Denzel is doing a play, and people are going fucking crazy for him. I think he already won the Tony. Yeah. Does he have an Emmy? Um, I don't know if he got an Emmy from St. Elsewhere. Because I'd like to work on him getting off for. So all I want is like a nice hip-hop thing with him. 
Um, here is uh, Todd, you're on Fez. Great show, Ronnie. Yeah. Mickey Rourke. Uh, Mickey Rourke was a good actor, bad movie star, came back to being a good actor, and looks like he's trying to rush his way back into being a bad movie star. Oh, you can't fucking wait to just jump back in there. Um, and he's one of those guys that will be just batshit crazy for us. You know, let me interest you guys by being just as nutty as I possibly can. Um, here's a guy who, like, kind of started as a good actor, went into crazy fucking movie star, and that's uh, Val Kilmer, right? So, apparently, uh, he was, in interviews, he was talking about he's got a place in New Mexico. By the way, New Mexico is just a beautiful, beautiful state. Uh, and wherever he went, he said that his corner of New Mexico was the homicide capital of the Southwest, and 80% of the people in, their, in his county are drunk. Then he went home and found out that everybody was pissed off at him. So he went in front of the commission down there and had to read some kind of, let me apologize for what takes place in magazines. I know that, you know, some things get taken out of context. Um, Fez, if you said this about your his hometown and you live there, would you be able to forgive him? No, I, would, I wouldn't be able to let it go. He would always be the asshole who moved into the community, mm -hmm. you know. And he's been there for 20 years. 20 fucking years he's been there. His kids have been born there. Um, Hicks, could you forgive him? Val Kilmer, sure, I'd forgive him. Why not? Here's, I'd be the 80%. Here's the truth. We've never been to this county, right? Right. I can tell you the truth. I know he's telling the truth. Those country people get crazy out there. And it's the weirdest thing. And I think country people might be able to identify with this a little bit. But between the city, suburbs, and the country, you could live two miles away from a neighbor in the country, right? You're going to end up having fucking trouble with one of them. There is something about country living that there is a certain amount of the people that are just batshit uh, fucking nuts. I don't know what it is. I don't know how they fucking uh, pull it off, but it's there's still not enough fucking room in the country for people. They still will be fucking driving people crazy. Um, and I live in the, in the city... I don't even know most of my neighbors. Everybody ignores each other. In the country, two trucks are pulling along. One tries to pull the other over. Hey, how's everything going? I don't know you. Yeah, no, they're just like, get to know me, motherfucker. It's all happening. You know, we ought to get together. They're what? a little too close out there in the country. Jim, you're on my face. Hey, Ronnie, I was wondering if uh, you remember the, the Elvis movie, Follow That Dream, where what? he was uh, selling bait and renting boats. What? Yeah, that was down... Um, I think your way, Fez, I think almost like Tarpon Springs, I think, where they did follow that dream. And you'll see that Florida looks totally different then. You gotta follow that dream wherever it's gonna take you. He is fucking crazy. He was just batshit. Uh, Fez, city, country, suburb, where are you most comfortable living? I would say probably suburbs. Yeah? Where you can get, the country, forget it. I can't. Uh, I wouldn't want to be that far out there. Uh -huh. Suburbs where you can see the city, you can get to it if you there's, need to. Th there's no suburbs like that in the world. There's no. It, when you're in the suburbs, you're in the suburbs. 
I don't give a shit if you live on the outside of St. Louis, you live on the outside of D.C., you live at, you're still on the outside, and you end up 99% of that time, your fucking life is that suburban community. Everyone says, oh, this is great, we can get here soon. They never do it. X, where for you? City. I can't live any place but an actual city where things happen. I can fuck everything else. I know that you say that. I'm a, a gigantic fan of the country, though. The country can be fucking great. I like city life. And my worst, my least, is that thing that Fez brought up, suburbs. Strip Maybe it's because I was born in the suburbs, but I find them to just be frightening and the worst of all. The, to live up in the mountains, I do it in a fucking heartbeat. If there was such a thing as a deserted beach, it'd be fucking great. There used to be in the country some beach communities that were far away. Now it just feels like the suburb people come there in the summer yep. and fucking crush it. Um, when you lived in the suburbs down in uh, D.C., Fuzzy, you hated it. Yeah, well, that's true. I, but um, to me, it just seems like you're getting a little bit of the best of both. You get a backyard and you put a grill out there or a pool, and that's it. Um, here is uh, Dom in Colorado. Hey, Ryan, I just wanted to know if you think uh, uh, you you know you said country people are kind of batshit crazy. I agree with that, but do you think they migrate out there, or do you think they're kind of they purposely or they're born there, or how do you think that's set up? Because I just moved he, to the country myself for being a city boy. So here's what I think it is: is like if you grow up in a place where you don't have to interact with people that much, where you can take a piss off your front porch, then when you get around people, you're going to not have all those little society fucking ideas of how to work. So, yeah, a lot of these people, once you're like, hey, I can throw a fucking beer can in the air and shoot it with my gun, I won't bother anybody, that's cool. But then if they go into town, they're still fucking doing it. They just... they're. They are, to me, the fucking people who are still, like, out on the edge. Uh, and I tend to like country people because they will run their own businesses. Stuff that the government, no one else knows about. Kevin, you're in Fez. Hey, what's up, buddy? Yeah. Hey, man, I, I grew up in the suburbs. Well, when we go down to the valley, I'm going to tell you right now, if you come across our cattle guard, you're going to be a dead son of a bitch. We do not like interacting with people. We do not like meeting neighbors. We sure shit ain't stopping pickup trucks and talking to each other because if we do, they're going to be a coyote running illegals across the border. So just want to have to disagree with you on so, that. But, but you're saying country people just really don't even like each other at all? Hell no. That's why they live in the country. And I do think that I'm telling you the truth. They think country people, if they have somebody like that lives three miles from them, they still feel a little too squeezed with it. Um, let's go over here to uh, Clay. You're on Running Fest. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, I live out in North Dakota, out in the country, and uh, people do get mad at each other, regardless of how far away they live from, from one another. Um, a big thing here is, you know, property disputes, where right. you know, water might flow onto their land. And um, But the last caller got it right, because people live out in the country because they don't want to be around city people or people in general. Do they not even get together with each other when they're out in the country? Uh, they, you know, maybe, but they're, uh, they're played with one another, but they mostly tend to their own business. Um, Nick, San Diego, you're on Manifest. What's going on, boys? Um, I've lived in the suburbs all my life, and I don't think I would ever be able to live in a city or the country, but 
the one thing is, as much as I like it, there's so many fucking horrible housewives and neighborhood associations. If I'm driving 30 miles per hour in my neighborhood, which takes me like two miles from the entrance just to get to my house, I receive a letter like two days later, like, slow down, you're going to fucking kill my children, and all this shit when there's nobody in the streets at any time. I see this in the suburbs all the time, where the women will get out front and tell people who are doing the speed limit to slow down because their kids are playing in the front yard. Uh, I, I, I will say this. No one yelled at a fucking uh, thing in my neighborhood because when I was growing up, the kids had to get out of the fucking way if a car was coming. Your mother didn't watch you play. That would have been death to any of us. It would have been like if you were just walking around with your little fucking dick out all day. There would have, I would have rather walked around with my cock out than had my mom sitting there and watching me play. I would have been able to just fucking pull up a reputation. You want no interaction with your parents around your friends. Fuck I didn't even want shit. my friends to know I had parents. Yeah. If, I, if I was at the fucking mall and I was with my mom and I saw someone from school, I'd fucking head to the other side. Like, I don't want anybody to find out I have a mom. Um, let's go, Ken, New Mexico. You're on Fez. Hey, good morning, boys. Yeah. I live out in the country, and I am sick of it. I mean, I'm ready to move to the city. Uh, country, it's, uh, it's just, uh, like you guys are saying, there's a lot of batshit crazy people out there. And uh, it's just too destitute. It's too uh, barren. Uh, there's nothing to do. Well, Ken, uh, what, what took you out there? Well, I was born and raised out there. Oh, okay. Uh, so you, family. Yeah, so you, you've never uh, spent any city time? Uh, you know, just moving around here and there. You know, I've spent some time in Dallas mm -hmm. and uh, Colorado and Denver and stuff like that. But Now, in New Mexico, you know, do you do you interact with people often? Do you see people around much? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've got neighbors that, I mean, they don't live that close. But, uh, you know, some of these outlying areas, uh, it's so wide open out here that you can... I mean, there's places where you can have a ranch, and it'll take you a better, you know, half a day just to drive to town. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there's some places, I mean, there's acreage or sections of land where some people, you know, a section of land is 1,200 acres. All right, I, I, appreciate the, I appreciate the call, Ken. Here's Mike in Florida. You're on Renefez. Hey, guys. I, yeah. I used to live in the city, and I, you hardly ever talked to anybody. You, you ignored everybody. And mm -hmm. out here, I live out in the country now, and I've been out here for about 20 years. And it's, it's friendly. I mean, of course, I didn't grow up here, and people don't know my business But when I was a kid. But, I mean, everybody's friendly. You're constantly, you know, acknowledging one another. Right. It's a much pleasant, pleasanter atmosphere. I, I hate going back to West Palm. Uh, now, it is, it is a way different thing. I guess sometimes, you know, people who live in the country can live 10 miles apart and consider themselves neighbors. I like the guy who called from North Dakota and said, just someone's always worried about property lines, you know, because at, at some, for some people, um, he, they really do think to themselves, uh, I can't get enough room. Um, let's, uh, go back to, uh, Jason, Virginia beach. How are you? Hey boys. Yeah. Hey, yeah, we live in Virginia Beach, and we have a two-year-old son, and we just made the conclusion that we're going to move back to West Virginia, where we're originally from, because it's an easier life. It's mm -hmm. quieter. You get more land for the money. You get a bigger house for the money. It's just a simpler life, and the people are a lot nicer, <laughs> especially the customer service, like in restaurants and stuff like that. You can't, you can't beat it, especially in the local diners. 
No, what's, what's really funny is that when your kid grows up, he'll want to move. Because no matter where you raise the kid, he's like, i got to get out of here. That is the one perfect thing about being a kid. I've decided to reject everything that was handed to me, and I'm going in a different direction. Um, let's go uh, to Cody in New Mexico. You're on manifest. Hi, buddy. Yeah. Um, as much as I don't want to, I have to sort of sympathize with Val Kilmer on this issue because it's not so much a city-country thing in the part of New Mexico he's in. Um, there is an extremely high amount of drug activity in northern New Mexico, and these are these are old Spanish land-grant type right. um, living arrangements. It's not it's not about country people. Some of these people will shoot at you if you're driving through their town, even now. Wow. So, <laughs> what what is it? What are the drugs that they're running? Heroin. Española, um, New Mexico, was for a while the per capita capital of heroin um, in the in the nation. I mean, it's a small town, but everyone was doing it. Uh, Hicks, you thinking about going out there with me? I'm making uh, making some plans right now. Come a leader, hold me <laughs> tighter. It's the mountains and heroin. It's the best of both worlds. It really is. You talk about a relaxing day. Uh, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Fez, you've never lived in the country before, right? Never. What's your problem with it? Just the, the isolation. I think if I was... But you're a guy who loves isolation. Yeah, but I like to be able to get two things. Like, I like to know that, you know... I can get to your apartment if I need to. Well, I wouldn't have an apartment if we were living out in the country. Yeah, but I, it's like, I, I would feel like, what about Bob walking down that country road? We're just realizing I'm out here all alone and freaking. I love the country. and Just about every vacation, I try to get somewhere where things are green and blue and get away from stuff. Uh, George, you're on Ronnie. Yeah. Come on. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, I think you know. I think you're missing one. I think you're missing a, a key factor: is a small town. It's not suburbia, and it's not the country. So that kind of a uh, Norman Rockwell type town. Yeah, I mean, you know, I come from a small town with 500 people, and everybody leaves their keys in the car. Nobody locks their doors, but everybody knows what's going on, where you've been, you know, all that stuff. So, but it's still in the middle of nowhere. I mean, talk about you know, yeah. northern Maine. But, yeah, so it's not exactly like you can get laid without everybody knowing it. Oh, jeez, you, you can't even cross the street without everybody knowing it. Everybody has a scanner, so they can tell, you know, if you get pulled over, you know, <laughs> everybody, has, everybody has everything. So, you know, and nobody locks their cars or the keys or anything, so your car's always moved around because somebody had to borrow it, you know? So I think, I think you're missing a segment of small town where everybody knows what everybody's doing, but still in the middle of nowhere where everyone has to rely on people. To, you know, for like bad weather and. So, know, George, like overall, do you like this kind of uh, living, the small town you living? Know, I, I do because you got you've got the small town and everybody knows what's going on. But after a while, I have to get out to like the city of Boston or something like that right. to get away because otherwise, everyone's so involved in what you do, and the, the rumor mill will drive you bonkers. All right, thanks, man. Uh, we brought this up because Val Kilmer lives out there in New Mexico and had to go literally apologize in front of the city commissioners because in magazine articles he said, you know, uh, I come from a crazy-ass part, 80% of the people were drunk, blah, blah, blah. He basically made it sound like there were a bunch of drunk um, truck, uh, you know, just fucking pickup truck driving, fucking shooting out the window type folks. And then, you know, that shit can be funny. Even if it's true, 
right? People can still get pissed off when they read that in a magazine. Uh, Stacy, you're on Running Fez. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, I'm calling about Val Kilmer. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he was, uh, my grandma lives in that town where he lives, and uh, my cousin's a contractor, electrical contractor over there, mm -hmm. and I guess Val's a real dickhead. In what way? Uh, I have no idea. That's just what my cousin told me. And that other lady saying that Española is the heroin capital of the world. Española is like an hour away from there. He lives in a small town called Pecos, New Mexico. That sounds like the greatest place in the world to live, though. Pecos, New Mexico. Uh, here's Nick in Arkansas. You're on my fez. Hey, I'm ready to move to Pecos. What do you got for me, Nick? Hey, uh, you know, country is, it just depends on where you are in the country. The country out west, yeah, your neighbors are, are so far apart, they may hate each other, but you get down south where southern hospitality, you know, everybody loves each other. Now, what kind of, where do you live? In, I, I live in Arkansas currently. Uh, Arkansas, now, I'll tell you what I saw about Arkansas and country people, is when they were going for those giant catfish that, like, live, I can't think of the name, Is you ever see it, Hicks? There's this crazy documentary where the guy will stick his arm into like these holes. The yeah, catfish noodling. noodling. What's it called? Noodling. 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 Now, have you you know about this, Nick? Explain it to people. Uh, I know about it. Yeah. But, um, I wouldn't say I would ever try it. I, I like to keep my life. They get down into this dirty, muddy water. They stick their arm out. The catfish is so big. It starts to go around the arm like it was a worm. I'm talking about a, a fucking catfish as big as your torso, Fez. And then you pull it up out of that hole, and you got this thing. It was the most batshit crazy documentary I've ever seen in my life. It sounds more like it's got you. Yeah, there is a thing of that. And if you're not careful, you can fucking drown down there. If you get pulled under by one. Or just lose your fucking hand. You bite your fingers off. Well, I guess it can't because they don't have, like, teeth. You know, it's just like gum in its way up. Uh, because basically, I guess they're shit eaters. Um, here is uh, Bill in Cleveland. You're in one of Hey, Ronnie. What's up, man? I miss Dave. Yeah, me too. Listen, I travel around the entire United States. I work for um, motorcycle radio shows. company. Okay. And... Uh, I go, you know, large cities, these small towns, whatever. I just came back from a place called Liberal, Kansas, which has a population of 500 people. I want to, I want a nuclear bomb in that place and make them start over. These small towns and these rural areas mm -hmm. make me want to throw up. Now, I don't know how how people can live there. Now, what what has you so frustrated with them? What makes me frustrated with them is they're, yeah. they're 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 backwards. They they nobody has any. They're all they have this like group think. So it's like there's always one person or one dominant family in these areas, and they're the ones that control basically what goes on in that area. And if you don't like it, then they like shun you, kind of like the Amish do. It's really it's really fucked up. All right. So what kind of things are they controlling? What are, what are you being blocked out okay, of? All right. Yeah. So uh, I'm not. I'm only there for a week at a time, so it doesn't really it doesn't really affect me. But other pe other people that are that are living there, political views, um, you know, whether or not you can open up a restaurant, and it's it's not really so much. It's supposed to be like a you know like a a committee that does it on the street. Right. But you know wh what happens is you have like like minded people moving in these small towns, and they kind of don't want their town to change. You know. 
Well, yeah, I know, but if you got if you have somebody who accidentally has to get, you know, who gets forced in there, like this place I was at has a huge meat packing plant, mm-hmm. and you know, if you get transferred there, then you're fucked because now you got to think Sarah Palin is a god and 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 all this other nonsense. And if you don't believe that, you have to keep your opinions to yourself, and that's the antithesis of America, which is kind of strange because you think a small town would be the, you know, the 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 actual, what, like you said, Norman Rockwell, but it's right. actually the other way around. Well, it's really kind of funny because, you know, people would think about all small towns as being kind of redneck or whatever, but I've been in, like, Colorado and up in New England where a lot of the small towns, they're almost like fucking, you know, like they're in the fish or the dead, and, you know, there's like this, you know, like in the middle of nowhere, and, like, you look around, like, there's statues everywhere. Everyone has, like, a fucking artist. Uh, type community uh, going on there. But again, it's just like-minded people pulling together, and that can be really weird when you're an outsider. Here is uh, Larry, you're on Renefez. Larry, you're on Renefez. Yeah, hi. How you doing, guys? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm from, I'm, a, I'm from the country and stuff. When I was a kid, we lived way out in the woods. There, our nearest neighbor was about a mile away. Matter of fact, we had a uh, cotton fields and tobacco fields that surrounded our house, and uh, the crop duster used to land on the road. In this front would of our be nightmare to you, Fez. Absolute nightmare. Like going down that single lane road would be terrifying to me. Why, though? I don't understand uh, where where the fear comes in. You're gonna have an easier lifestyle. You're gonna be a little quiet, and then you can do whatever you want out there. Something goes wrong. I'm stuck out there. I fall and hit my head, no one's going to ever find me. So you only worry about like what could physically happen to you. You just want to live close to a hospital. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. What? I would worry about, you know, if I was out there, and I would honestly be worried about wild animals, like I was some sort of caveman. Um, Coleman, you're in Fez. Hey, Ron. Hey, Fez. Uh, yeah, I live in Colorado now. I'm from New Mexico, and... Uh, uh, our company installed a gym for Val Kilmer, and in his defense from that previous conversation from that last gentleman, Val was the nicest guy to us, man. He get, he get, he offered us drinks while he was walking around in his uh, robe while we were putting in the, the mats for his uh, weight system. And, I like a man uh, walking around his house in a robe, like a little king. Yeah, I know. Well, these guys are sweating, but he's offering up drinks, beverages, and he said, hey, man, here's some big tip for you, so don't tell anybody where I live. And, uh, but he was the nicest guy. I'm trying to think of where Fez could live. I'm thinking about maybe a jimboree. Everything is padded, and if you fall down, nothing could happen to you. And you could have a big mommy nurse who's always watching out for you and picking you up and kissing. Kind of like four winds. You know what your thing is, Fez? You love adventure. That's the thing about Fez Watley. It makes you an interesting guy. It makes you a fascinating guy. Um... 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Here's Elizabeth in New Hampshire. You're in Ron and Fez. Hi, Ron and Fez. I just wanted to say that uh, sometimes living in the country can be positive, like you were saying. We live up in the Monadnock region in New Hampshire, and uh, it has one of the highest per capita uh, uh, number of artisans in the country, and it's fantastic. I mean, yeah. we have, like, you know, my husband just got back from, speaking of fish, just got back from watching fish, and, like, we can go and have wine tasting on a Saturday at one of the local vineyards. We can, you know, pick up great artisan cheeses. We but, can go to, like, openings. It's fantastic. Here's what you need to do, Elizabeth. Keep it quiet. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was up in New Hampshire last summer. Uh, loved it. 
Just thought it was just fantastic. And there is that thing of, you know, that thing that you said that it's a little of both. I find like little or cool towns like that to be way more a little both than living in the suburbs. I find living in the suburbs like living in a fucking hospital. And again, it's not like I haven't done it and done it for most of my life. But I think I'd much rather be, if I'm not in the middle of a big city, be up on a mountain somewhere. A mountain life to me would be the, just the fucking coolest. Um, let's go over here to uh, Greg in Georgia. You're a manifest. Yeah. Ronnie B. Yeah. Ronnie B. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my hometown down here in Burke County, Georgia, we call it the nickname the Burke Dog Capital of this world. Of this world? Yeah, Burt Dog Capital of the World. I okay. tell you what, Ronnie, the little country girls, they, they give it up, though, I tell you that. All right, there you go. The Burt Dog Capital of the World and the little country girls will give it up. Um, you couldn't live there, Fez. You couldn't live in the Burt Dog Capital of, of this world. Nope, I would need the Burt Dog to point me the way out. You might be great living in assistant uh, 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 place. Where you just always have somebody who's going to bring you bad food, um, help you clip your toenails. Play some checkers or connect four in the common room. He doesn't play games. He never understood checkers. Come on, Fez. It's two colors. Um, let's go over here to John. You're on Fez. Hey, there, buddies. Yeah. Hey, Ronnie B. I want to get your World Cup. Uh, pick for Saturday and ask you where you might be enjoying the World Cup Saturday. I'm going to go straight USA all the way. Uh, and then the next get, next day is Argentina. And they've been kind of my fun team to watch along, even though I bet on uh, Spain. Uh, I'm I'm fucking nervous wreck about this weekend. I think we're going to fucking pull it out. We're off the crazy hair. And I, I just love uh, Argentina because of Diego. And I do want to read his book. Um, did I tell you about his book, Fez? No. Because I was reading this article, I think, in in uh, Sports Illustrated on Messi. And he said that he'd only read one book in his life, and that was the Diego biography. And the uh, English translation of it is would be, I am the people's Diego. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like when you do that kind of thing... You're almost Castro, where you're like, my people, I am here to bring you joy. El jefe. And I know that, you know, he's hated, and he's batshit crazy, but he is, a, he does have the lust for life that I enjoy in other people. I like people who enjoy their surroundings, you know? You see him living large. Much like yourself, Fez. When I see mm -hmm. Fez Watley, I go, there he is, taking another big juicy bite out of life. It, It's part of what makes him the people's Diego. I, I can't, and I, I took a look at her this morning. I can't disagree with Brazilian Julie anymore. That Cameron Diaz looks exactly the same. She has not aged in, in 15 years, in my opinion. She looks great. Maybe she's aged a little, but not 15 years worth. And neither is Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise looks exactly the same. He could be in a pair of underwear and sunglasses right now, all excited because his uh, parents aren't home. But I think people have a little Tom Cruise fatigue. 
He's going to have to change it up a little bit. I'm not sure they want to see him running around with a gun anymore. Now he used to take Miller like Magnolia role or something, something fucking that's not. Yeah, well, we loved him, but he doesn't love it because it doesn't make you a giant movie star. He's fucked in the head. He was great, Magnolia. For me, I like him to write a book called "I'm the People's Diego" too. I'm the People's Diego. That's why I live for all you people. Um, here's Joe Yerman Fez. Hey guys, I think Pecos, man, that's uh, that's head lice or body lice in Spanish. So Pecos Bill was body lice Bill? I guess so, man, to the Mexicans. Oh, God, that's awful. Pete, Jeez. you're on run Fez. Ronnie, I just got on my lunch hour. Fez cry yet? Not at all. Ah, uh, it's early. He's having a uh, fantastic time. He's having a wonderful day today. Um, Mike, Halifax, you're on run Fez. Hey, yeah, I- I've noticed in about the last 20, maybe 30 years, down, down where I uh, lived uh, when I was young, uh, all those guys used to either work on the boats or in a fish plant or something like that, and there's a real big sense of community. But then all us kids moved away from there because there's no more fishing, and, and a lot of those houses got sold to either retirees from the city or uh, you know artists would come in and set up studios and stuff. And now uh, there's no real sense of community the way there was. And, you know, like other towns would have like a lumber mill or right. uh, something like that, you know? Yeah, people just commute into the city, and it changes everything. And there are certain guys who are like, yeah, I'll drive two and a half hours just so my kids can live out here. And it'll be cheaper and they'll have more room. And then at a certain point, they just pull over, take a gun out, and shoot themselves in the forehead. It's also England-Germany this weekend. I know you picked Germany. Yeah. But can you really root against your mother, England? Um. Yeah, I can root against them. I'll be able to do it. What about you, Hicks? Because Fez rooted against England in the World War. No, come on. Give me fucking England. What is this? Rolling it, Stones. I'll be singing. Yeah, I'll be going there for the Stones. Obviously, I'm doing this for Mick and Keith. But also that song, uh, Two World Wars and Two One World Cup. Do-da, do-da. That's what they fucking sing at them. They love singing, those English people. Of course, you won't be able to hear it because the fucking horns are going to be blown like assholes. You also have the Ricky Hatton song, too. They love fucking doing this They shit. love crazy. Yeah, I'm going to do this for Ricky Hatton and his wonderful family. Um, let's uh, go over here to uh, Travis Sherman Fez. Um, let's go over here, Pat. Pat Sherman Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Hey, uh, Ronnie. Can we get a, a new girl update? Make sure she's been staying away from Anthony. All right. Uh, let's bring uh, uh, NG in here. Um, and I did want to watch out for her around Anthony because with New Girl, her little body is just not ready for what Anthony brings. No. Um, all right. The jeans are a little too tight today. You know it when you came in the door. You know, uh, Yeah, I don't want you wearing skinny jeans when you know that you're being watched. New Girl, where'd you... Uh, yeah, just, just hold it. Just hold it for a second. Where did you grow up at? Um, in Connecticut. In Connecticut. All right, so it's Bright Lights Big City for you right now, right? Yeah. You're going out every night in Brooklyn, you're meeting guys, you're, you're, you're snorting coke, you're just having a hell of a time. Um, but you know you're not ready for Ant yet, right? Yeah, I'm not ready. I don't need you dressing like this around him. Is it the jeans? Yeah. 
Okay. And I know that he's offered, uh, he said, to let you swim in his pool. That might be just a metaphor. Okay. <laughs> When's the last time you had a boyfriend? Um, two years ago. So it's two years, and you've been just dating just off and on or nobody since then? Yeah, just off and on. Nothing too serious. And you, you've been dating age appropriate? Yes. All right, I want you to know something. That is the deep end of the pool. Okay? Okay. You suggest older or? No, I just want you to know that he's the deep end of the pool. If, oh, you, okay. if you're a good swimmer, that is a place to go. Um, I but there won't can't be any. Swim, so. What's that? Can't swim. All these are metaphors. Oh, Everything okay. I'm telling you <laughs> lets me know that you don't even have the slightest street sense about you. <laughs> no. You're like an Amish girl, like a nice Amish girl. <laughs> I try to keep her in the office at all times. No. As long as Anthony's in the building. I'm actually uh, being accused by uh, a friend of mine of being a cock blocker to Anthony. But here's the thing for new girl. I'm petrified she'll bleed to death. I just <laughs> don't think she's ready for that. I think you're going to uh, a rip, a tear, and I'll get into a weird thing where he just you know, pulls a tablecloth up, yeah. wraps her up, and then tries to stick her in a train, and the next morning, no, that doesn't work. You know, We've all been in that fucking thing. Because people don't get getting rid of a body is a terrible thing, even as tiny as you are. I hope that's a metaphor. No, this oh. is the, no, the, I'm, the metaphor. I'm not even going to use a metaphor with you anymore. Okay. I'm just worried about you there. But I know you're curious, right? Um, you're curious or, to see how that rolls. Yeah, scared a little. Yeah, scared but excited, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's irresistible. For the, for the first time in her life, Fezzi, it's that fear and excitement. And, I, <laughs> and in Anthony's basement, he does have a roller coaster. He told me that, yeah. Oh, my God. That's the metaphor again. Oh, no. She must have gotten out of the office when he was still in here. You might only be working the second half of the show. No mornings. Mm. Either that, or if I lose money this weekend, um, I might be selling you to his show. <laughs> okay. What? What? How much do you think I could get for you? Um... I'm, I'm not sure. Because you said, you said in terms of dating, you're not an experienced young lady. No. All right, write your, write your age down for me. Okay. I don't want you to have to say it on the air. I already know the uh, number of uh, serious boyfriends she's had. How many do you think? I'd say four. Yeah, you're way high. What? All right, I did not realize <laughs> even how young you are. Now, you're a little <laughs> old for Anthony, but... Uh, Holy shit, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm worried about you now, darling. <laughs> uh, your folks back in Connecticut? Yeah. Give me uh, their number. I'm going to give them a call tonight. All right, I'll give that to you I'm going to call your dad and have talk to him about coming to pick you up. <laughs> New girl's a very nice young girl. We got her and, of course, uh, large Lou Angel Wolf Jr., who, to me, is bobbing to the top because he looks like an old buddy of mine. And not only that, when I brought it up to him, he went and Google imaged him and said, that's a good-looking guy. I go, yeah. He goes, I thought you were making fun of me. I go, no, I'm not at all. You're a large little angel. Uh, first of all, I'm going to take care of you because you're illegitimate son of somebody I know. All right, new girl? All right. I want you to start hiding like a bunny when you see Anthony. Okay. When's the last time you ran into him? I haven't seen him today. All right, good. Okay. Good. That gives you a weekend of peace. 
She is wearing the tightest little pants. I am a nervous wreck about her. Nervous wreck about her. I wear tight jeans every day. No one brings it up. Uh, All your clothes are tight, Fez. That's not what we're talking about here. Um, Here's uh, Tate in Florida. You're on my Fez. Morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Fez. Uh, I just wanted to let you all know uh, I would like to be your oil correspondent down here on the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, Uh, We have a couple, but you're definitely in, Tate. What's going (laughs) on now? All right, well, basically, I'm in Destin. Uh, It's been kind of odd the past couple of days. I don't know if you've ever been to Destin. Beautiful place. Yeah, I know it. Uh, You know, you got Panama City on one side, you got uh, Pensacola on the other side. Mm -hmm. For the last couple of days, like, everything has been hitting in those two areas, and we haven't really seen any of the, you know, oil, per se. Uh Last night while at work... uh, a couple of buddies of mine, we all went down to the beach. Uh, we, you know, we work right on the beach at a restaurant. A uh, bunch of little tar balls. You know, it's, it's here. It's here. But I have just gone, I just started the process of uh, the BP claims. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, it is insane. It is another bureaucracy. It's like the DMV. It's, you're, you're talking to Brenda on the phone. She tells you one thing. You go in to talk to this other well, bag that you know is in the, the the BP claims office, and she's just giving you down the road. Tate, tell me exactly what what your claim is against them. What what what's your own personal claim? My personal claim is lost wages. Basically, uh-huh. I, I am reliant upon tourists slash tourism in order to make my living. You know, the past couple of years I've been a server down here. It's pretty damn nice. You know, you make some good money. Uh, you work for a couple hours every evening. So, considering the fact we've had people canceling, you know, seventy five upwards of seventy five percent. You know. Uh, in terms of condominiums and places where... So people just aren't down here. So just really is going to hurt the real estate in places like Destin and... Real estate's already destroyed right now anyway. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know what? It's just funny. Last year, it was, quote-unquote, the economy. Right. That was our bad time, you know, and it it was the whole... All that scene with you know real estate bottoming out. I think that was the precursor to all of this. Was the real estate just went insane? You know, it just got way too high, and now it's bottoming out. So you got that. That's always you know a problem, but that really has nothing to do with the tourism industry. Right. Uh, you know, these people are just down here for vacation, but it's just they're just not here and they're just not coming through the doors. All right. Well, keep me updated. I would love to know what they're offering you and what you can cop on this. Exactly. Um, you know, and that's that's. I feel like I feel like. I, I, it makes it, it feels wrong to me to be doing what I, I understand. Right. It's just I, I understand that I have a legitimate claim, but I just see it. I see what is going to happen with you know people that oh my god you know the, 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 my respir- I have respiratory problems and it smells like kerosene down here. So you know you got McDonald's cup lady, McDonald's coffee. That's you know it's just lawsuits. I can just see it getting into a very well, very nasty situation. Everyone has brought up that they, that you know there's twenty billion dollars being placed aside. Again, I can go out in a heartbeat, man. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but that's about a, a a buck for every gallon of fucking you know oil that they're dumping. I mean, exactly. it's really not a lot of money. Even though it sounds like ridiculous amounts of money, just in the same way of Bill Gates can't take his money and suddenly, you know, cure Africa's problems. It's just money gets sucked up. Um, going to take a break here. When we come back, we are going to be with uh, Jack Kevorkian. And uh, we'll do the interview. Uh, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it. In terms of where we are with Kevorkian's uh, death right now, Fez, uh, w- what he did with the 
back, I guess it was the 90s when it all happened. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. I should give a little back here. Jack Kevorkian, for anyone who doesn't know, first person ever to do assisted suicides. Uh, it was a gigantic story in the 90s. Uh, religion came out on one side. Um, people came out on the other side going, you know what? It's my body. I don't want to suffer forever. Or this is my mom or whatever. I don't want to see her suffer. It was a very, very tough case. He was um, had an attorney named Jeffrey Figer who used to work him through these cases. Figer, five times he was brought in. Five times he was set free. Not guilty. So this was monumental stuff in the United States. Um, and they were making incredible progress. At that point, he said, I don't want to keep winning cases. I want to be a martyr. It was driving Jeffrey Fiverr f- fucking crazy. He fired him. He fired his lawyer. And he went and assisted suicide this time because he would have this death machine, right? He was the one who operated instead of letting the other person push the button, videotaped it, gave it to 60 Minutes, and then went to court without a lawyer. Ridiculous move. I mean, purely kind of a self-destructive, crazy move. Um, was found guilty. Uh, I think he got, uh, I forget how much time he got, but he got out in about eight years. Um but it, it's kind of maddening because in some ways the guy did some extraordinary moves that got people talking. On the other side, yeah, he's pretty ghoulish. Uh, you look at his paintings, they're all a death uh, thing. New documentary on this, Kevorkian, which is just, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating uh, documentary. And by the way, on HBO, uh, June 28th is the debut and then it runs. And HBO is doing phenomenal documentary work uh, right now. Just every time you look up, there's another documentary that you can't take your eyes off of. And I went to see uh, some of the the documentary uh, directors speak, and they were with uh, Sheila Nevins, who kind of runs the HBO documentary thing. And it was really weird for all these people. They're they're going to her now. I mean, it's like the people that she showed up with was like an all-star band, right? of these pe- different people making documentaries, and they're going through HBO, and it's another reason why cable, and HBO in particular, just blowing the doors off of network TV. It's not even close anymore. You know, there used to be a time you were saying, oh, I like you know HBO because you can see this little show. Just week after week of great stuff that they're doing. So if you get the opportunity, make sure you check this out, Kevorkian, uh, on HBO, because... You know, unfortunately, you're going to die, and everyone you know is going to die, and you would like to have as many rights as you possibly can going into this. No matter what side of this you're on, I'm sure you're on the side of no pain, you know? So uh, we'll be back uh, with an interview with Jack Kevorkian, uh, and then we'll uh, open up the phones after that. Run a fest show. Ron and Fez, the virus on Sirius XM.
Jack Vorkin is in the studio with us. How are you, sir? Uh, warm. Warm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the new... The new documentary, Kevorkian. Um, why did you get involved in a, a documentary? Uh, I, I was asked to be, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, people who were helping me, who uh, work on a movie, and do it. I'm sure it was going to help uh, help me, not hurt me so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, to cooperate made sense. I mean, I wanted them to be successful in what they're doing. I don't want to be a, a reason for failure. Mm-hmm. Or something lacking in a film that should be in. Help them out on details. Do you have to look out, though, for people to know what angle that uh, they're going to come at you? Because so many people have different ideas about your, your persona. No, because you can tell pretty much who's for you and who's not for you easily. Mm-hmm. One or two questions. Uh, one of the things that surprised me about your documentary was uh, that it, it seemed to be about... Uh, the Ninth Amendment. There was a very big part of what you do runs about the Ninth Amendment. I'm glad that's true, yeah. because Ninth Amendment is one of my missions. Mm-hmm. Right, actually, it's right now more important than the euthanasia mission, which I think is pretty much complete. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nothing's been done on the Ninth Amendment. People aren't even aware of it. Yeah, That's a hard job to do, just to make them aware. And that's one of the things that you, it seems like you want to do, is to kind of pull awareness into people. Do you feel like most of us are blind about some of this stuff? Or? Well, sure. Yeah. We're more enslaved than you think. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't feel it. You hate to say that I'm enslaved. I admit it. I was enslaved. I had the right to do what I did. The patient had the right to request what he did. And I end up in prison. And the patient's scared. The family's scared. You know, fear. That's dictatorship material. I thought we were a free country. We we have in the Ninth Amendment. Mm. You know, I had the right to do that. Well, the interesting thing is, I don't even think there was a, a large debate on euthanasia before you started to do the work that you did. Uh, but since then, um, you find out so many more people are open to it for different reasons. Yeah, well, see, I was aware of it where the average citizen wasn't because I was in medical training. Mm-hmm. And as an intern, I saw the need for it immediately. I knew it was a, I knew it was necessary. I mean, I saw it in front of me in a suffering patient, mm-hmm. horrible, and uh, my mother had it, the suffering, but uh, I didn't I didn't I didn't ask for it. Didn't talk to the doctor about it. My sister did. I found out secretly. I asked the doctor to help my mother die. I didn't know that, but I didn't at the time. It wasn't an issue for me. Uh, and you were a doctor then, or was this yeah, before you were? I was a doctor. So it had never even occurred to you at that time to do anything other than try to extend her no, life? because you do anything and you go to prison. I knew that. It was illegal, yeah. a crime. That's the way they control you in this country. So when did that kind of switch go off for you? What made you say there's got to be other ways? When I learned that the Dutch had legalized it, mm. I said, well, finally something happening. I went over there to check on it. I found out that they can't help anybody from another country. It has to be a Dutch citizen. But they did, they're the only ones that do it correctly. These three states in our country, they're not doing it correctly at all. What are they doing wrong? No doctors involved. Mm-hmm. He writes a prescription for the lethal medicine. He can't give it to the patient. No, The patient's supposed to take it himself. But if he's crippled, he can't. And if he can't swallow, he can't. Now, that's not a medical service. 
Um, and I know from people that say through that are taking care of people at home now that a lot of times the physicians or the hospice people will leave stuff behind and say we'll be back in a couple of days yeah. and they'll just up whatever dosages of morphine is. Yeah. Um, but do you think that that's enough to bring comfort? Or? Of course not. That's playing no. games. Yeah. And a doctor will say, don't turn it up too much now because that could kill you. you know? Right. And they know what's going to happen. Sure. The person's desperate. Now, that's not ethical medical practice. That's from a coward. And you think that's what all this is about, is our cowardice to deal with death itself? Sure. Yeah. The law says you go to prison. Medical profession says you lose your license. Sure, it's cowardice. Doctors aren't very, they're not very strength, strong, you know. They're mm -hmm. timid people. The only way you can get to a doctor to get to really react to what you want him to react to is cut his income. Mm. He'll react. One of the things that was interesting, you know, when, like I said, there was a PR campaign against you for many, many years. Uh, but to see you in your hometown walking around, I wasn't seeing any negative feelings to you. As a matter of fact, you seem to be a, a very part of that town and everyone knows you. Well, they're either sympathetic to me or most if they weren't. They were, uh, they were very discreetly polite with me mm -hmm. because, uh, first of all, they were dealing with an ex-con. Right. You know, and that bothers some people. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're just dealing with you like they would any ex-con. Be careful around that guy. Yeah, that's true. Oh. Sure. They weren't that interested in the issue. Um, with the work that you've done and the people, uh, let, let's just go back to the people that were against you, and you were getting it from religious groups as well as members, doctors, and science community even. Do you understand any of their arguments against what you were doing? Do you... Do you think the arguments are profound? Mm. No. Of course I understand them. Any, yeah. any, any great school child would yeah. understand them. But you don't think that you, that perhaps anybody could be right on that side of... You no, know. no, no, because uh, uh, they know they got the right to do it. They themselves know it. Mm -hmm. It's inside you. You're born with it. No law created that right. Right. It only stops you from using it. That's all. So as far as the religious community and the things that they've said in yeah. the past, none of that stuff is they're, even debatable know that's, for you. That's, the, that's their phony. They're fraudulent. Mm -hmm. They know that. that. It's a sin. Define a sin. What's a sin to you is a virtue to somebody else. You know, you tell children they don't know that's a sin, don't do it. But they never define what a sin is. Or oh, they'll say, to define it, they say, you will go to hell or you won't go to heaven. Both of which are silly concepts. I mean, a child knows that. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, so we lie to children, lie about Santa Claus, keep them happy, you know. Also keeps adults happy, too. But uh, these lies are not living the way nature intended us to live. I don't think animals have such silly customs. Yeah. And it's also interesting that if, if a dog was sick, you'd put a dog down for humane reasons, but you wouldn't do that for a person. It'd... Well, if a veterinarian did for a dog what we do for humans now, suffering, mm -hmm. he'd go to prison. He'd keep the suffering going because he's afraid of going to prison himself. And, of course, everybody who's, who's got family has had to deal with, at some point, someone that you love very much being in this kind of physical pain, mm -hmm. and there's nothing you can do uh, under the current laws well, to help them. Without consequences, which yeah. they don't like. 
You know, here's what they forget. Doctors, too, they forget this. They're not even, not even told about it. They don't discuss it in school. We never discussed ethics. Never. I suppose maybe they do now. That's they're forced to, just like they were forced to put up pain clinics that they didn't care about before. Um, medicine covers the human spectrum from conception through death, all natural events. Why didn't I say birth? Because we've gone back beyond birth. Now we, we play God with the fetus and mm. with the egg. You see, we're playing God. Where we want God should have been fertilized that egg. Well, we'll do it. We'll help that egg get fertilized. They forget that. Hmm. How come if we can help people coming into the world, which is wonderful, noble work, we can't help them leaving the world? That inconsistency is a perfect example of human um, nonsense, lack of common sense of humans being dumbed down where they're no longer worthy of the term human intellect. The interesting thing, too, about you saying playing God, it's one of the things that you were accused of by your detractors. And I guess all medicine kind of ties in with that, right? Yeah, even some of them think they are God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. They, they, they forget that, that giving an aspirin to someone to treat a headache is playing God, because God must have meant the person to have a headache. Uh, have you ever heard from uh, other physicians that have backed you up but are afraid to uh, oh, publicly? Sure. Yeah, there were a couple. One wasn't who joined me for a while. He was a psychiatrist. Hmm. Unfortunately, he's he's now dead. But uh, he feared being imprisoned, and and uh, he did spend a night in jail helping us. We, I, I both of us went to prison, a uh, jail. Mm -hmm. So that physician came forward and worked with us wholeheartedly, a psychiatrist. So we knew that uh, uh, that the patients we dealt with were mentally sound. Uh, and some have sent me secret little notes in restaurants and things saying, keep up the good work. And they come to me and whisper to me in a line sometime, we're behind you, keep going. In prison they would do it. Mm -hmm. The nurses would whisper to me their support. Because you can't support it openly because you'll be an enemy of the society. Yeah. See? Did that kind of thing frustrate you? Did you just think if you guys would just speak with me on this? Of or? course. It's yeah. a, but you can understand why they're afraid. They're afraid of consequences. That's how we're enslaved. You know, there are laws passed that you don't like. Right. You would hate prohibition, just like right. other people. How come you were, not prevent, you were prevented from drinking what you wanted to drink? which you have been drinking for years. How come suddenly it became a crime? Because some money interests or some tyrant running the country or some cabal wanted to make sure you felt enslaved. Mm. We are enslaved. Ninth Amendment is a only protection against it, and it's never been used. And that mainly deals with individual individuals' rights. Right. Saying any right not listed in the Constitution doesn't mean you can deny others that are retained by the people. In other words, you're born with them. Mm -hmm. You can't eliminate a right with a law. You can only prevent its being exercised. 
So if it was up to you, we'd we'd live free of these constraints, sure. and individuals would just as long as you have consent, mm-hmm. you cannot threaten or harm anybody else or any property. As long as you have the consent, there'll be no crime, no matter what you do. You can kill them, murder them. No crime. No crime at all. Nope. He asked for it. He got what he asked for. So in your, uh, your way of looking at it, if somebody said, uh, I'm depressed and I don't want to live, or I, I lost my girlfriend and I don't want to live, you would give them the option no, also? Oh, no, you would not? No. We have a, like every medical service, we go through with a diagnosis. We examine mm-hmm. him. We have a psychiatrist examine him. We see, have you taken this treatment? Do you mm-hmm. know about this treatment? Have you tried this? They say, no, no, no. Well, there's things we can do, you know. So there's no need to end your life. But if he's been through all that and there's still suffering, there's only, only one option left. And he wants it. And he has a right to request it. I have the right to help him do it because that's the Ninth Amendment right. The law says you do that and you go to prison so no one uses it. That's how we're enslaved. You're more enslaved than you think you are. This is not a democracy. It's not a free country. Can't be free. Mm-hmm. Because we have no discipline. That's one. Two things Americans are lacking so they can't be totally free. Self-discipline and the... Uh, it's got a mental block now. <laughs> What's the other one? Uh, Honesty. Honesty. We won't be honest with ourselves. There are two things missing in most Americans because they all lie. They cheat and lie to get ahead and money, make more money or do something or revenge. Honesty. They're dishonest to themselves. They lie to themselves and they are undisciplined. So any, any, any law, any constitutional amendment that gives you absolute rights, acknowledges your natural rights, won't work. If you're undisciplined. See, animals don't have the problem we do. We say we're brains, we're thinking people. That's our problem. An animal probably doesn't do that. He's born with instincts. And in those instincts is, is the same kind of behavior in every generation. The same reaction toward other animals of their kind. Some fight among themselves, some kill each other, some eat each other. But animal behavior is predictable. Human behavior is not. Uh, do you feel like you relate to animals more than you do people? Did, when you see the way animals behave, do you think that you model your behavior? No, on, use that as an example. Yeah. Put an animal in a, in a cage, and what do you do? Do you change his behavior? Hmm. No. He'll fight to get out. He'll growl. He'll make any noise he wants. A baby is a perfect example of absolute freedom. It wants to urinate anywhere, anytime. doesn't matter. He's not afraid. The baby's not aware of consequences. You can't threaten a baby with prison or punishment to change him. You can't. In the, under, under a certain age, like a one year. Let's take a baby of eight months. It vomits over you. It does anything it wants. Anything. But that's an example of undisciplined behavior. But you can't blame the baby. It's not mature. Once you're mature, you must have discipline and honesty. A baby's honest. It's behaving the way it's driven to behave, by instinct. Well, let's come back to a little bit of when, uh, and I was curious about one thing too. Um, you also had the families involved. You were, were there ever 
sued civilly by any of the families no. for so all the families, not just the person themselves who went along with this, all the families were we in favor. We had consultations with everybody, family with the with the patients themselves, with the friends of the family, friends mm-hmm. of the victim. I mean, the patient. We 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 went through multiple consultations, made sure they got consultations from doctors that were needed. Uh, extra right, we got an extra opinion on their disease. We had a psychiatrist verify that they were mentally sound. We made sure that was a, like every medical procedure. Mm-hmm. That's what a doctor's for. He knows what to do and how to do it, who to call in to help him. This is not a personal decision by one person. In fact, there should be two panels of doctors. Two of them examine and investigate and analyze the person's life and situation. The second panel will pick one of the three to do the actual euthanasia. That way there can be no conflict. So at the time you did this, the people wanted it, the families wanted it, there was no civil suits, uh, any suits that came to you were against the state. You had a terrific lawyer, Jeffrey Feiger, who... I, he, was, uh, he was self-serving. Yeah, but he was also really... Uh, a strong lawyer for you, you went five and oh. Yes, but that wasn't changing much, was it? So your your problem was not so much that you were being found innocent, which was, I guess, Figer's job. I could have had that easily on the last. In fact, they had announced that they'll never, they won't prosecute me anymore, yeah. because they realized that if they said that, I would do one or two or three more, but nobody else would do it. So we still would have the law. It still would be illegal. So, so I had to change that. That means I had to get do something to get to the Supreme Court with my case. Mm-hmm. And they said, the court said, we want a case withstanding. I gave it to them. They lied. They didn't take the case. So even though you were winning these cases with Figer and it was all over the news, this was still frustrating for you. you I should not have had him in my first trial. You didn't want him there at all? No. Be convicted on a law that was only five-year felony? I'd have been out in two. As it is, I was in over eight. And I, uh, I couldn't keep going over and over and over. They could have arrested me any time after that, despite what they said. And it wouldn't change anything, me going to prison or me getting arrested. I had to get this to the people who decide what's constitutional. And it's in the Constitution, mm-hmm. Ninth Amendment. But the court never uses it. Never. It's never been used. Because that way they can manipulate the law what, the way they want to. Any right they can block, any right, like Patriot Act, mm-hmm. Homeland Security, flagrant violation of civil rights. So what? You're slaves. You're scared of the consequences. So you have these libertarian beliefs, and just you yourself getting off with Figer was not enough for you. You need to change That's the right. law. You wanted to be in front of the Supreme Court. I had to get to the Supreme Court. They announced uh, deceitfully. The court is also a bunch of liars, besides being corrupt. They said, we want a case withstanding by a doctor for a terminal case of a person with, fam- with consent. So I gave it to them. See? But I did it in a way that they can't say, uh, 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 well, the, the jury would feel sorry for me, so that when they see the family that requested it, so they kept the family away. See? That way I knew they, they were out to get a conviction, which bothered, didn't bother me a bit. See? So that way 
I'd end up convicted, go to state prison, you appeal to the state Supreme Court, they refused, go to the federal court, that circuit court, then go up through the system to the Supreme Court, which asked for the case of standing. They were lying. Because they don't want to try this. Never Ninth Amendment never been used because it says that no matter what right is listed in the Constitution, all the others belong to the people. Mm. And they don't want to validate that because that destroys their power. So when you went into prison, it also stopped the work that you were doing. I mean, at one point... Yeah, who else would do it? Do yeah. you want to go to prison? They're yeah. scared. That's how they control you. So they've got you in prison. What was, what was actually what they came up with? Eight years was well. It was ten to twenty-five. Ten to twenty-five. I guess they felt ashamed, so that the first time they came up for parole, they had released me. During that time that you were in prison, yeah. Uh, did you have any change of philosophy? Did two, you... two, two inmates. Uh-huh. One guard and one inmate were very definite in their opposition to me. And I found out that the guard was a Catholic. Mm-hmm. So what do you expect? The majority of them, almost all of them, inmates, supported me, and so did most of the guards. But they had to whisper it to me. The guards did. they get fired. But there had to be somewhat of a depressing thing to have spent all this time. You're making this work. You've, you've opened up the debate in this country, mm-hmm. and now here you are in this little tiny room locked away from everything. That had to be a Well, the fact that the, open, the debate had to be open showed that you were enslaved. Mm-hmm. They should have told you in school you had the Ninth Amendment. Did you ever hear about it? No, never, it never I came didn't up. either. I learned it when I was 70. Get that. I had to get to the age of 70 to learn that the Constitution says I have all my rights inborn. I was a law-abiding citizen, you know, and I knew this was a right that was necessary. I, I wanted it when I get there, and I think the patient deserved it. Well, anyway, that being in prison wasn't that tragic for me because I knew I was not a criminal, and that made it much easier. See, if I had committed a real crime, I'd be remorseful, but I wasn't. I, was, I said, they're going to suffer in the future because they know darn well they're wrong. They're wrong putting me in prison. They know it. See? Just like they knew Mandela was right, and they were wrong in South Africa. When they put him in prison, they knew that. Do you see yourself as that type of person to a Mandela? It's in American history. I knew that. I said from the beginning, after the first case, somebody has to go to prison in this country before anything changes. That's history. Talking won't do it. And that is something your attorney said, something Jeffrey Figer didn't want to happen. He wanted to keep you on the outside. Well, no, he did. it's not because he wanted to. I, mm-hmm. I did it because I wanted to keep right. going and helping these patients who were suffering. I, I didn't care about the consequences. I said the first one would have been only a four-year four year felony or five-year. Mm-hmm. I'd have been out in two years. you think I'd have stopped? No. They wouldn't stop until they got me in for a long sentence. I knew that. But I had to get to the Supreme Court. I learned about the Ninth Amendment waiting for trial once. I said, gee whiz, I had the right to do that all along. Then I realized how enslaved we are. So do you resent, is this like one of the real disappointments of your life that you've never had a chance to argue this in front of the Supreme Court? Does it feel... Or a good lawyer, like yeah. my lawyer I have now, argue in front of the Supreme Court. 
because what could they say when it's there in black and white? James Madison insisted that we put in the Constitution, which he wrote, the Bill of Rights. He insisted on that because he said, we can't list every right. There are trillions of them. Name a right that we don't have, being born. Name a right. Uh, the right to hurt other people. Just so you don't hurt or threaten any other people mm. or property without consent. That wipes out all the crimes. So you know when you do that, if I have gold in my pocket, why should I go to prison during the Depression? If I drank whiskey in the, in the 30s or 40s, why should I go to prison? Because I drank whiskey. Don't you realize the magnitude of your enslavement? Mm. But you don't care because you're comfortable. Do you see any countries out there that aren't living under this enslavement? No, There's, they're you all see it enslaved. as a world. That's, that's a, that, that, there are tyrants everywhere. Mm -hmm. But this was the only, we're the only country that has that in the Constitution. We're lucky, but we don't know it. We don't care. When I tell people, they just don't care because they realize they can't do anything about it. They're scared to death. Me, I'll lose a raise or my children will get harassed at school or I won't get the promotion. They're scared. It's all comfort first. Comfort above You're scared. Everything. You're scared. Every one of you is scared. You won't do it. You know there are things wrong in this country, and you won't break the law because you, you're scared. And you'd love to see people just rise up. You'd love to see people... How else do you get a change? Yeah. You think some crooked politician is going to change things? So it's going to take revolution, or is it going to take anarchy? Close to it for the Ninth Amendment, because mm. that's what we supposedly had at the beginning. The Ninth Amendment was in there to show that we are a free people on paper, but not in action. You can't do it. I mean, we're the only country that has it. Can you imagine that? I'm not campaigning for a new law or a new amendment. It's there, the highest law in the land. All it says is, just because a law, a, a right is not listed in the Constitution, you know, right to bear arms, right to free speech, right to, right to assembly, just because it's not listed like they are, doesn't mean you deny all the other rights which the people retain. Because the Founding Fathers' rights meant natural rights, not legislated. We depend on legislated rights, which can be manipulated at will. That's why the, the 14th Amendment was concocted. They cobbled it out of all the other amendments. But they didn't realize that everything the Fourth Amendment, 14th Amendment does was already in the Constitution. So was the right of free speech there. Everything was there. Well, here's what's interesting to me, Jack, and it's an amazing argument that you make across the board. And it's one that we didn't hear during your trials. It was a, a time where it was just about the euthanasia and nothing else. They don't allow it at trial. They have a lawyer who talks, and every time he opens his mouth, the judge says, improper or objection sustained, you're finished. That's the trouble. We can't talk the... The perpetrator can't talk to the victim or the judge. I would rather argue in front of a judge with the victim, both of us in front of the judge arguing, and let the judge decide if he's honest, which is hardly likely. Mm -hmm. That's the point. You need a Solomon. The only way the American system can be improved, they'll never allow because they don't want to lose the power to enslave.
Americans is to have the Supreme Court decisions appeal to the International Court of Law of Justice. We don't even join that. We didn't sign the last treaty. We want to make sure we're not part of that so we can say, hey, we don't belong there. You have no right here, no jurisdiction. Because many of them will. You think that an international court would have, uh, would have allowed the Supreme Court to say blacks are property, not people? Or, or uh, you can't drink alcohol? Or the Japanese are a threat? Japanese-Americans got to be put in concentration camps? Or you can't teach Chinese children in Los Angeles schools? All those were declared constitutional by the Supreme Court. Wouldn't happen if they were appealed to the International Court of Justice. That's the only control we can have because you can't change the court. You have to have a constitutional amendment. And who, you know, that's going to block because you got crooked politicians who decide that. Each state votes on it. Mm-hmm. And the states are corrupt too. Everybody's indoctrinated. Everyone's infested with this corruption. International Court of Justice is the only way to control the U.S. Supreme Court, and nothing else can control it. President can't, Congress can't, nobody. They control everything. They are the dictator that makes sure we stay enslaved. But you're making a huge uh, leap when you go from suddenly you want individual rights and now an international court above our American justice. Yeah. But who can, like you said, who can trust into that, though, Jack? Well, there's more than one. Hmm. There's a bunch of them, and some of the nations have a little more enlightenment than America. Uh, One of the things that they painted you with um, back when you were doing the euthanasia was that you enjoyed it, that somehow (laughs) this was very ghoulish. And I know your artwork has been shown to kind of show, you know, that you have somewhat of a dark side. Take a surgeon who just transplanted a man's heart into another man. He enjoys it. You'd expect that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Why? Uh, because he's working his skill to the highest level, and that, what do that you brings mean? enjoyment. What do you mean? When a, when a surgeon is at his highest level, that's going to bring individual enjoyment to right. anybody. He enjoys it because he accomplished something right. worthwhile. I did, too. But people say that's a crime. Church says that's a sin. You know, the church once said, dissecting the human body to learn anatomy is a sin. And the one who set the anatomy, who's the father of anatomy and medicine, Vesalius, four or five hundred years ago, would steal bodies to dissect them and wrote a beautiful book with beautiful plates, uh, illustrations of anatomy. It's a classic today. He got fired, told to leave university, because the church didn't like it. This is the problem. We live under mythology, which mm. dictates our laws. Religion's mythology. I mean, so we don't know if that happened or didn't happen, but why let it guide us today? They didn't have the need for euthanasia back then because nobody lived very long anyway. See, we, this is, we're misguided mm-hmm. in this country. We're born dumbed down. We're born into a, into a milieu, an atmosphere, where you've got to be dumbed down in time. The parents are dumbed down, so the kid's going to be dumbed down. So you, you did have enjoyment from this, from, from a job being well done, and you felt like you brought peace Relieve, to Relieve did my duty well. Mm-hmm. 
this, my duty is to save, to pro- prolong life if possible, and to eliminate suffering if possible. Well, you couldn't prolong life, but you could eliminate the suffering. And your duty says you've got to do it. Just like a veterinarian. If he doesn't do it, we put him in jail. If a doctor doesn't do it, we praise him. Kevorkian is the documentary, uh, and that's Monday, June 28th on HBO. HBO.com slash documentary slash Kevorkian. Jack, you're an interesting and complex man, and I, I honestly think that when people see this documentary, you're going to wake them up to different things because you're. it's a much bigger fight and a much bigger discussion than what people ever thought that you were involved in. I don't think so. <laughs> you, don't, you don't think it'll work at all? Words won't change anything. You want action. You got action. Name something that's changed in history that didn't take action. And is that, is that why you needed to go to jail? Is that yes, why you needed exactly. to? exactly. Now, I didn't do this to start a controversy. Mm-hmm. I did it to help the suffering patient that nobody would help as a doctor. I was lucky. I didn't have a family, so they couldn't take hostages. I was alone. So what they did, the, best, the first thing they did to punish me was yank my license, medical license. Okay. You think a piece of paper controls my life? I'm still a doctor. I still know what to do. So I helped him. I did my duty as a doctor, despite the immorality of society. See? But you, you have this all this fight in you, and yet almost no optimism. It's almost like you're not believing I the know things. human nature. You yeah. can't win. No. Jefferson hated the Supreme Court. So did Madison. He tried to reduce its power, and near the end of his life, he said one of his greatest regrets was that he couldn't succeed in doing that. I'm doing what Jefferson wanted to do. What's wrong with that? I'm proud to be the only one in the country trying, but I probably will fail just like Jefferson did, but I'm doing the right thing. You know, someone said courage. They all say you're courageous. You know, no, they, they, they don't know how to define courage. Courage is knowing what's right. Everyone knows that. Everyone's courageous. But doing it is what's courage. And very few have that. Kevorkian, the new documentary on HBO. Dr. Jack Kevorkian, thanks for coming in. You're welcome. The Virus. Sirius 197, XM 202. Ron and Fez. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas. Half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. It's Fed Show. Friday, go USA. Beat the Ghanas. Beat the Ghanas. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. We just spent like a half an hour talking with Jack Kevorkian, and I'm sincerely... Interested in what people think about the euthanasia thing. I don't understand why anybody would not like it there as at least an option. Uh, I thought one of the more interesting things that we found out from him, and I think he killed uh, 133 people, but there was never a civil lawsuit. No uh, family, no friend, 
nobody ever thought that what he did was a bad idea. You know, it was, you would think, somebody uh, talked my uncle into this, somebody uh, got this. It is going to stay a controversial subject for quite some time. But other than the religious aspects of it, I don't know uh, where you would uh, go with this. I'm fairly cut and dry for me. Anything change your mind in meeting Kevorkian Fez? No, actually, I think it cemented it more because he was so intense in here. He was he was really and as for uh, an older man, you know, he's up there. He was intimidating to me. That's a very strange thing to hear because I only saw him uh, as a slight guy. And actually, a little on the feeble side now, he's much older. Um, I did see him as being, like, a little more scientific. I don't know whether um, he was the right messenger. Even though I agree with the message 100%, I think some of the other aspects of him make it easier for the people against that because, you know, his paintings are all crazy and shit. Uh, and when I asked him, did you enjoy putting the people to death? He was actually a little angry with me. And he was like, "Like, yeah, I did. Wouldn't you if you're doing a good job? And I got that. But I think it would be easy enough from a PR standard to be able to handle that question a little better. Um, but you cannot disagree with that man, Jack Kevorkian, uh, at least started people talking. Um, let's head on over here to uh, Bill. Bill, you're on Hello, gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, I lost a family member uh, last week who struggled uh, with a disease for uh, about 20 years. And to watch the pain he was in, and he was in uh, like a hospice-type situation at home, I, I wish that this was an option, and the, the the part of me that's a man said, you know, why are you letting this other man deal with this? Right. I, I just had, like, a, a confusion. I just, I wish that I, I could be the one to take that power and just help the man out. Uh, I understand that completely, and that is a very, very difficult thing for people. Here's uh, Steve. Steve and Phil, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, Ron. Uh, you know what? I was thinking about this. and well, I'm a hospice nurse down here in Philadelphia uh -huh. for 19 years. And what I found was, in my experience, that there are four types of pain. And when people are suffering with these four types of pain, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, they don't want to be here. The problem is, if you don't have the right people around you, the right, the right group of, of out-of-the-box thinking individuals, you suffer. You want to die. So what you do is you get some company, you get the family around you, you get everybody together, all your assets, you, you gather them into one little group, say, okay, what can we do here? And the answer that I've found over the past 19 years is rarely euthanasia. Now, do I agree that people have the right to, to make decisions about their end-of-life care? Absolutely. But if you don't have the options, you can't make a valid decision. Mm. Now, you with uh, uh, being a hospice nurse, I, I bet you've seen families handle this every different way. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've I've had guys that say, "Give me the morphine. I don't want to. I don't want to feel a thing." I've had other people say, "You know what? This is my. I see what my wife suffered with, and, and you know what? I want to experience that. I want to make this part of my life." 
because like birth, death is as important as dying. Yet when a child is born, they suffer, and we don't, we don't take away the pain from the child. It's part of life. Well, I mean, we will up to uh, a point, but I, I, I do see your point, Steve, and I will agree with you. And here's my point, though, with Steve. Some people may decide, I do want to go through the suffering of death. It's interesting to me. I want to see what it feels like. I want to see, you know, I, I kind of want to go out kicking and screaming. I, I totally get that. But again, it should be a choice. It just seems to me that it should be a choice. And what's really interesting is, and I told some people uh, that I was um, going to be talking with Kevorkian. Most of the older people were like, thank God for that guy. Really appreciate what he did. The younger people, and I still think there's more of a fear of death there, are like, no, I want no part of this. But I think people who are like looking at this as a um, closer rather than far away thing want options. Uh, Janine, you're on my Fez. Hi, Ronnie. Hi, Dan. Um, I, I just wanted to say that you, well, a couple of things. You made an excellent point that Kevorkian is not maybe the best uh, messenger, mm-hmm. that he does come across to people. I think people's issue is is that whole religion, that people have such an issue of not understanding. They, they want that good thing on the other side. They want to have that belief in God, and they're scared of death. So, therefore, when you have a very scientific man who isn't very, he doesn't come across very personable, that maybe it's just, it's too much for weak-minded people to handle. Well, um, you, you know what's funny, Janine? People have the right. Have you ever met, a, like, a doctor who was in, he's a great surgeon, but he has terrible bedside manner? Exactly. It kind of yeah. reminds me of Kevorkian. He is no different. Socially, he's not a comfortable guy. Um and, and he he's, he's a zealot. He you know he he's into this Ninth Amendment thing. You're a slave. I'm a slave. Bro. You know some of the things that he's saying. I agree with a hundred percent. And some of the ways that he says it, he's not even open to. Do you understand why you freak people out? He's like, I don't give a shit. You know, um, he was mad at me over the Figer stuff. The Jeffrey Figer was his lawyer. I thought that was the way to go. Um, and even after um, talking about it, uh, he acted like he didn't. Here's James. You're on Ronnie Fez show. Yeah. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, congratulations on an excellent interview. One oh, of thanks. the best I've ever heard. Thanks, man. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, first off, I agree with Dr. Kevorkian on the slavery thing uh, that he was talking about. But I wanted to ask you, if you think maybe he dodged the question on did he enjoy what he did because he may have had an inverted God complex, as a lot of doctors do. Um, he actually, I think that he answered it probably not as clearly as you or I wanted to, him to, but I did think that he answered it honestly, even if it wasn't clear, of, yeah, I'm happy to do work that I'm good at, aren't you? Because he's so battling back, like, he'll get upset with even questions that he feels are an obvious answer and his point was the second you're doing anything you're playing god and if you really think about it 
You're playing God when you build a house. You know what I mean? God didn't put houses here, so you are playing the part of God. You're playing the part of God when you build uh, bridges and airplanes and shoes and clothes. Everything, you're acting like, I'm going to improve upon nature. Um, We are at this one point, and obviously, it hasn't come up from any of the folks here, to the religious people, and the religion I was raised of, uh, Catholic religion, it is a mortal sin to take your life or to take life of another. Uh, And that is a gigantic thing in this country, when you would look at something that seems to be obvious in in the way of, the dog is sick, he's not going to get better, we're going to put him down. We've all had that happen to our pets. And you cry and you feel bad and then... You know, the dog is gone. You can begin your mourning process. But you would never let a dog sit around and and suffer for weeks or months on end. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Mike, you're Fez. Hey, Ronnie. First of all, it's the Tenth Amendment. Second, we missed an opportunity to put Fez out of his misery. Um, I I'm really a- wish we would have taken it. Uh, Fez, you were actually frightened of that little feeble old man. Right, and at one point during the interview, you know, I got one of the fingers that said, you're scared, and man, it went right through me. When his eyes locked on people, when his eyes locked on you, I've never seen such intensity like that. He was desperate to get his points out. Yeah, but why is that frightening to you? I don't know. I, I've I've seen people who have been committed to stuff. I don't find him... Um, a frightening man at all. I don't. I don't think he's very social. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not different in the terms of kind of learned people who think they know it all. I mean, he wakes up in the morning thinking he's right, and nothing changes his mind over the course of the day. It doesn't mean that the rest of us can't sit and debate back and forth about these things. You know, but there is nothing about the euthanasia thing that that scares me. Um, and there's nothing. I mean, that wasn't a supernatural character. And I know people try to put on it when I was reading stuff about people that interviewed them. They felt like they were scared, like they met the devil himself or Charlie Manson. I didn't feel that at all. I, th- I just felt like he was a guy who like any of the scientific guys who doesn't even think this is debatable. He thinks he's just. Sure. I think it was being in the room with someone who's been so close to death. I've been close to death. I've been as close as that man. Most adults have been. You don't normally get to your age, Fez, and be a man without helping people in your family, you know, move along a little bit. Um, You're waiting at the hospital or at home. It's a common thing for us to act like it's not is almost insane to me. Um, Hindu, Iowa, you're on my Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Uh, I had two grandmothers that could have, that in their moments of rare moments of clarity, begged for their lives to end because it was so suffering. So, I, and, and, I like, and I like his take on things totally. And, Ronnie, if you don't mind, could I congratulate you on another yeah, Willie Mays interview? You... You hit him out of the park, sir. Oh, thank you. I mean, it was re- it's really more just about this one topic, though. Um, and I, I think, um, 
I think he's a controversial character. And um, I even said before about maybe not being the, uh, the right messenger. No one else was going to do this. You had to take a guy who would be willing to break the law for people to have it happen. Now, I asked them about the hospice thing because I know for a fact that morphine is left behind. And saying to the family, make sure you give him, you know, one drop every couple hours because anything more like that will speed this up. You know, you have to fucking code talk. And I talked to him about that as if it was a positive. He sees it not at all that way. He sees it as playing games rather than sitting down and doing what exactly is necessary. Uh, it's a scary fucking thing. But one that a person has the right to fucking take. I mean, it's only scary because we don't want to not exist. Mm -hmm. But the fact, it is a fact you're going to stop existing. Why would you leave it so open-ended? Um, here is uh, Brett, your manifest. Hey, how you doing, Ronnie? Yeah. Um, basically, my grandfather, who was a man in the Air Force, and he was a strong-ass dude, he used to build, like, planes and everything. About 62 years old, he started coming down with the whole Lou Gehrig's thing. Uh-huh. And for the next eight years, the man, it, picture uh, watching a tree wither away in your yard. It's dead, and it's just kind of tilting over, and it's breaking down. My grandmother, a lady that just watched her love of her life, wither away and this man who was so strong just you know he never admitted that he wanted to go but you could tell i mean this guy would fall over and you'd have to help him up there's plenty of times we had to go to my grandmother's house just to pick him up off the floor because she couldn't and it's just sad when he finally went away it's, I mean, he could have gone a couple of years earlier and avoided all this pain all this humiliation all this suffering but I mean, he is a strong man. He would never would have admitted it himself, but you could just kind of see it in him. And I totally agree with that option. Brad, thanks for your phone call, because that is the entire argument right there. Here's a young guy who sees this guy that he's loved and admired his whole life, sees him in a place that he's like, uh, this isn't the way he himself wants to live or be remembered. And should those people have that choice i don't see how you compare this to murder and quite frankly fez and i don't always bust your balls about this i do think that you're taking your own fears right uh -huh. and you're placing it on kevorkian and giving him some kind of supernatural power as if he was death as if death rolled in here and scared you when he's just really uh, a little old scientist, just a little old doctor. And I'm going to tell you the truth. He's a, a little feeble man now. After the interview, we were out in the hall and I was thanking everybody. And Kevorkian walks over to me. And you heard how adamant he was about the facts. Right. You know? And, you know, are you stupid? Are you dead? You know? And I was explaining that. He kind of looked like a little Civil War general or something, right? Like Stonewall Jackson or something. But I'm standing out there, and some people uh, wanted to get their pictures taken with him and stuff. People, uh, 
were excited that, you know, he was even here and had their own stories like the people on the phone. But Kevorkian walks over to me and says, was that the radio interview? Really? He's just a little old guy, and he was a little confused about exactly what, you know, this whole process is. You really do need to watch this documentary on HBO to get the full fucking uh, gist of this. Um, let's go over here to Mike. Mike in New York, you're on my face. You know, you take the concept of the uh, death penalty with whatever state run by the government, you know, they can't have a, uh, a monster running their quiet countryside, so it's okay to whatever, use the firing squad in Utah, lethal injection. <laughs> they got no problem killing somebody in that respect, but, you know, if you're home alone suffering, <coughs> nobody sees it, doesn't bother anybody, you know, let him suffer until he goes. So really... Double standard. It's a really interesting point, Mike, and one that I've never heard before, that you would not put up with this, what some people have to go through with disease, you would not put up with it if it was an outside entity attacking like that. But everything is just made to extend the life, extend the life, as if that's an infinite possibility, no matter how long you extend these lives. And most of us now have either parents or grandparents who've lived longer than what was thought could happen when they were children. But at a certain point, it still gives out. Um, I would love to hear from any of the religious people. I'm not hearing from, because I know this is not a 100% agreed upon fact. And so far, Fez has been the only person to say I'm against it. And normally it's, you know, Fez's reason is the same reason he's afraid of all this stuff is because he has a, a, a fear of death. Um, Chris, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hi, this is Chris. Uh, I thought it was interesting that he kept talking about the Ninth Amendment. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Fez, the Ninth Amendment is uh, the protection of rights. Tenth Amendment is the limiting of power to Congress and reserving it for the people in the states. Um, if you go to a Tea Party, it's exactly what you'll hear at a Tea Party. People talking about... Well, he's very rights. much a libertarian. He is... Yes. Uh, although he took it to some, he wants to get rid of the United States and have an international thing, which is, I don't know where you think the comfort is there is going to go. And I tell you the truth, I'm not that much interested in that aspect of what he's upset about. But, you know, he is a guest here, and I want him to make him feel like, you know, he could push and sell what is the reason that he got on a plane and came to New York. I had no problem with that. It doesn't hold as much interest for me right now because at his age, I don't think he's the guy to carry that flag. I do think he was the guy to carry the initial flag. And unfortunately, in a lot of ways, some of it being his own ego, when you saw it in here, I think he dropped that flag. When I said to him, wait, you, you know, you compare yourself to Nelson Mandela? Absolutely. He sees himself that way. The interesting thing is, and as kind of douchey as that is, you need that guy to be the initial pioneer guy. Whether you fucking like it or not, if you ever have real change, somebody has to break the law. <clears throat> or else the law would just go on forever. 
But somebody has to say, this law is so bad, I'm going to fucking pull a Gandhi here. I'm going to pull a Martin Luther King. Unfortunately, Jack Kevorkian isn't as huggable as Gandhi or Martin Luther King. But you cannot take away the fact that he put his own ass on the line. And when he fucking fired his lawyer, I could have fucking smacked him for it. You know, he and Figer would never have lost the case. But he was like, I'm going to lose a case and then get in front of the Supreme Court and win it all. What you don't understand, or what he doesn't understand, which his lawyers did, it's not the easiest thing in the world to get something in front of the Supreme Court. And he was just so much into I, I'm right and everybody else is wrong, and he does live that way. Um, that he might have, you know, screwed up his message along the way. Uh, PJ, you're a manifest. Hey, guys, what's happening on a yeah. Friday? What do you say? I'll tell you, this. Uh, he came in like a powerhouse. I thought Pacino was in there. I didn't know who was actually talking. If he if he was uh, looking more like uh, Mother Teresa, I don't think anybody would say anything. And, you know, if he could cuddle people and that is exact you... that is exactly what people want. He wanted them to talk about the suffering, and I'm into the suffering. And he's a fucking scientist. He doesn't care if he goes into a corpse and cuts the eyes out and the liver. This is the way this guy has lived his whole life. It's just science to him. Um. And that freaked people out. Um, Jay, Orlando, you're on the Run Show. Yeah, you didn't get a chance to go there. I'm wondering if the documentary is going to touch on it, but the financial impact of extending life, sometimes for the family, uh, know, is an interesting topic. It's in the middle, and it's one of the biggest debates going on right now in our country, the cost of health care, and that's a huge contributor. Uh, and actually, that is what, uh, works to help the extend lifers because they say this is just about money. I will tell you this about the documentary. It doesn't, the things that we're talking about here, it doesn't open them up to debate. This documentary is just about where Kevorkian is at this one point of his life. He's actually, in, in this documentary, he's running for uh, a congressional seat in Michigan and living in this little place and having, you know, People come around once a month. Jack, you know you can't do this. You, though you can't do this, we'll come take you back to prison. Um, so the debate isn't open for that. It's just about him at this point in his life. But it really is. Um, it really is a debate that he's opened up more than anyone else has. Uh, just by the things that he did. Like you said, he's a man of action, not a man of words. Ryan, you're a manifest. Hey, Ronnie, I don't know if you caught it, but uh, I don't rem remember exactly what the question was, but uh, you asked him a question. He referred to one of his patients as a victim. I don't know if you picked up on I did that. pick up on that, and he kept going. I've seen him do that before. And here's what I think the reasoning is behind that, is because he spent so much time in court over this. Um, but the word victim... Uh, was definitely used. It definitely was used. And I wanted him to say, I felt good. And I should have pushed that upon him, but I gave him the opportunity to say, I felt good because I ended somebody's suffering. Uh -huh. He couldn't fucking do it. He had to say, I felt good because I'm really fucking good at what I do. And that's... <laughs> and he's a good doctor. 
but not only that, he's fucking. That's his point. Not that I'm a good doctor. I'm a, fu I'm a fucking great man. He sat in here and he's like, basically, I'm smarter than everybody else, and I'm not pussy like you. I'm willing to do the things that you're afraid to do. No one's gonna hug him for that. No one's gonna give him a fucking uh, hug for that. Um, Kevin, you're on the run of Fed show. Yes. Yeah. Hello. Ahead. What do you got, Kevin? Uh, yeah, I mean, if the person who's sick, well, they want to go, I have no problem with that. Now, other people making that decision or thinking they know what's going on, I don't go for that. And I will also say one of my friends, his father-in-law, was a doctor out in Oregon, and he helped write a law where you could, you could, you know, euthanasia it, was all right. And he did not choose that himself, and I don't. I don't mind that he didn't choose that himself. He, he had to warn his wife, you know, you know, your father wrote this, this might be coming. But, you know, it's, it's a personal thing, but I, I, it's something that, you know, if you got a 23-year-old guy who's depressed. Well, I, I asked him about depression, it, and he acted you know? like, I, yeah, he wouldn't even explain. He acted like I was an idiot. He was like, of course not. Stop it. I'm talking about terminal cases. Uh, Jason, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron, I'm a veterinarian on Long Island, and, you know, I deal with this on a daily basis, I hate to say it. And I feel as though that we are relieving the people's problem, and they're suffering with their animal at that point. And when they say, so why don't we do this in people, I feel as though that there might be a possibility of a doctor that goes up and above what they're supposed to do, where they take it into their own hands to say, you know what? I don't, I'm in a bad day, I've got a bad situation, and you know what, today's the day I'm going to do this for this person when maybe in a hundred other situations you wouldn't do it. And it becomes a very weird situation to say, when do you well, do this? Well, you, you would not have the same abilities that a vet has. You would have to go in front of a board, have it to be looked over. But you have also come up with a, a, a good uh, thought. When a person like myself, if I became that sick and that hurt... It is like my family got it. You know what I mean? I don't want all the people I love to sit and suffer for months and years at a time. I don't want it to be just about me. I, I think when a man gets sick, one of his initial worries is what's going to happen to that, you know, to my family. I don't want to eat up the money that should be going to my family. It's the whole exact reason of why you built this stuff up in the first place. Um, Marty, you're on Running Fez. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm opposed to working on, on two grounds. Uh, and one is the religious ground. You know, I think thank that there's an inherent... Hello? I'm saying thank God I'm waiting for somebody oh, okay. who had a religious <laughs> uh, problem with <laughs> yes. this. Because that does seem to be his opposition. All right, what is your religious problem with what he's doing? Sure. Well, you know, here's the issue. I'm a Catholic myself, mm -hmm. and I think that any time in history we've gotten away from respecting the inherent dignity of human life, you know, that's always been the start of a very, uh, you know, slippery slope. The Nazis had the idea with retarded people that, you know, it was life not worth living, they called it. Um, you know, the, the Stalinists, the Nazis, all of the, you know, all of the terrible regimes in history have all had these same ideas of, well, that life's not worth living. You know, I'm a doctor myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I see people with, uh, you know, Parkinson's and diabetes and all sorts of complications that, you know, are they in the last few months of their life? No. 
is their life, you know, pretty bad? You know, sure it is. But do we want as a society to get away from? All right. Well, let, let's go into this, Marty. Do yeah. you have you since you're a doctor? Have you seen people that the last two weeks of their life weren't worth living? I have seen. Yeah, I've seen. You know, the range of people. I've seen people because uh, there's a real difference with I don't want to live with Parkinson's, but right. I'm in. You know, I have brain cancer. I'm in unbelievable pain, but it's going to drag out for two, three weeks. There is, but Ronnie, you know, once you get away from having some kind of standard, you know, which is, we've had the religious standard in this country that, you know, life inherently is, you know, worth living and worth saving. Um, and once you get away from that, it's too slippery a slope. You know, I see the ration of health See, here's the thing that happens, though. Why would there be a slippery slope if there was a law? There's not a slippery slope if you're going to go, we've decided to take the law from 55 to 60. You don't normally go, oh, my God, now it's going to go to 140. Why can't you just focus on what it is right there? And the thing that I brought up to you, terminally ill people, not... Not not living the last five years of their life, but not making this a difference of 48 hours, two but weeks. Medicine, medicine is not precise enough where we can where we can accurately say, you know, you have 48 hours, 72 hours. No, but you month. know when the hospital is sending someone home, right? They're sending them home to die. We already have this. Yeah. Why, course. when you get to the house, is it now up to not up to that family? You're not saying, Marty, I want you to go home and beat this thing. You're saying, I want you to go home and be with your family and die, correct? Yes, but that is still... Then let's leave it up to them. But that is still a morally superior position, Ronnie, for society to have than, than to say, you know, we'll, we'll take care of this for you. you know, we'll but why not say you. this? I'm going to send you home because we can no longer fix you, and then whatever the family wants to do when you get there, that's going to be up to you and the people around you. Well, that's de facto what happens now. That, yeah, but we're not doing it. Marty, here's the thing. We're not doing it correctly. We're still making them suffer because you have a bunch of an uh, uh, amateurs with a vial of morphine who don't know how to use it properly. Why not say, I want to have this happen so that there's zero pain? Well, definitely there's big deficits in pain management in this country. It's not something that the medical establishment has focused on enough. But that hospice nurse had it exactly right when he said that, you know, pain management can make a huge difference in, you know, people's tolerance. Mm -hmm. all, all I'm saying is, Ronnie, and, and, you know, there's a value to a soul. There's a value to a life and to not ending that. And any time in our history when people have gotten away from, from having some kind of belief that life comes from God, that life is, you know, worth living and valuable, it's never gone good places. You know, I, I'm an American exceptionalist. I think that we're better than the majority but of here, Here's what I'm saying. I, I'm going to agree with you on the fact that I do think that there is value and dignity to life, and I hate to see these families being treated this way. But, Marty, I'm, I'm so appreciative that you called and gave your viewpoint. Oh, no problem. Anytime, Ronnie. All you right. know, I'm also a psychiatrist, and I can fix Fezzi up. All right, thanks. Nice. Uh, Fezzi, maybe what you need to be is Catholic. Get in a real religion. Get with the big boys. It's great over here. Start shooting from the outside. Um, here is uh, Chris, your manifest. Hey, Ronnie B., what's going on, man? Yeah. Hey, Ron, listen, I, uh, my grandfather just passed away three weeks ago, and it came as a very big shock. I mean, it was he was completely healthy, and he had a blood clot in his brain. Mm -hmm. And to be perfectly honest with you, 
I have to support what Kevorkian does because if he would have survived that, he would have been a vegetable. And right. knowing my grandfather, who was only 69 years old, he wouldn't have wanted to live that way. And I think as a Catholic, we wouldn't want to see him live that way. So for anybody to turn around and, and feel that, you know, it's okay, you know, it's not okay for them to go, honestly, they don't have a vo- you know, the beautiful thing about life is you have a voice and you have what you want to feel. And, you know, my grandfather didn't have that choice to say, listen, call him up, I want to go. He, he didn't have that choice, but there are people out there that, Lou Gehrig's disease and all these other things that actually hurt and feel this, then not only do they want to yeah. go for themselves, they don't want to see their, their family hurt. And I, I agree, and there is, it's a terrible thing to be in physical pain, and then there is also a terrible thing to someone you love is in horrible physical pain, and all you can do is sit next to them, all you're supposed to do is sit next to that bed and watch that person in pain? You can't be there to help them? It's in fucking insane to me. Who's going to tell you you can't help your grandmother, your grandfather? It's, an, it's crazy to me. Uh, Zena, Florida, you're on the Run of Fez show. Uh, did you say Zena? Yeah. Yeah, hi. You know, one of the things about being in horrible pain is, you know, Kevorkian's got it really wrong. An awesome hospice doctor absolutely will not let someone be in pain. They're not messing around with morphine. I mean, maybe he's not a good enough doctor to really get people out of pain, but a really good doctor, or not even a great doctor, but someone who's decent, there's more medicine in the world than there is Yeah, but pain. but here's the thing. Is this dignity to sit around the last two, three weeks of your life, whack the fuck out on morphine? Because I got news for you. I've fucking spent... Uh, a big part of my life, trying not to be fucking high on morphine. And maybe a lot of you guys haven't been before, but you don't know the fucking dreams that you could be deathbed dreaming on fucking morphine. You have no idea. You have no fucking idea. Uh, Who's the... Oh, Glenn Beck. Ask fucking Glenn Beck what his last hospital trip was like. He thought he fucking died. He was whacked out on morphine, thought he fucking died. You want to fucking, you have a fear of hell? Mm-hmm. You don't know where you're going with that shit. You might experience the fucking terror of your life if you don't know how to ride out that fucking morphine high. Um, all right, I got a break here. I appreciate everybody calling in and Kevorkian coming in. Uh, you still haven't changed your mind, though, Fez. You're 100%. Still 100%. haven't changed my mind on it, even after meeting Dr. Kevorkian. And you don't feel like it's just your choice? You still feel like you want to make the choice for other people? I just know that I wouldn't be able to make that choice, even if it was someone in my family. You don't have friend. to make it. No one in your family is going to go to you. Mm-hmm. But why would it stop your brother from making a choice? Why would it stop the adults in your family from making the choice. That's the thing. I don't think anybody's going to lean on you for this stuff. I don't know if somehow you think that we're going to say, uh, if we said, okay, we want to no- launch another mission to the moon, you're going to yell out, but I don't want to go to the moon. No one's going to make you, Fuzz. They're going to have somebody who wants to go. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, who we got coming up, Fuzz? Our buddy Patrick's coming in from the band Art of the Topless, and he also has a track on the new Kinks uh, cover CD, uh-huh. Kinks Uncovered. So Patrick has a track Is on that. Is it covered or uncovered? 
It's Kinks Uncovered. Then it's, an, then it's an uncovered uh, CD. And oddly enough, on a cover CD. Mm. All right, we'll uh, take a break. We'll come back. What song is he doing? He's doing Give the People What They Want. We'll come back with that. It's the Ron and Fez Show. The Ron and Fez Show. The virus. Serious. XM.
That's Patrick on the new CD, Kinks Uncovered. That's his track. Give the people what they want. Thank you. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, how did you uh, become part of this Kinks Uncovered project? Totally fell into it. Nepotism. It's all just a, a big sham. Uh, I, uh, Joseph, Brother Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to school with a guy named Bill Herman. Mm-hmm. Bill Herman has a company called Paradiddle Records, which is paradiddlerecords.com. And uh, uh, he emailed Joseph, said, I'm doing a Kinks tribute. Do you want to do anything? And Joseph said, no, but I know someone who would. So pass it on to me. And there it is. Uh, how tough is that to get all the rights to this song? Is that is that tough to pull off one of these kind of albums? That's a question for Bill. Yeah. Uh, I, I I had no idea that it would be something that you could pull off without a lot of legalities. Yeah, it it seems like it would be really tough. I don't know what Bill had to go through yeah. to do this, but he, he did all that end of it. All I had to do was make a track. Uh, so how do people pick this one up? The Kinks? Uh, ParadiddleRecords.com. There is a, uh, you can order a, a hard CD with the packaging. Uh, I, I think that's 14... 99 something like that and there's a, a downloadable version which is like 12.99 and it gives you two extra tracks so the trade-off is you get two extra tracks but you don't get the nice little liner notes and everything mm-hmm. uh what what is it about you and the kinks every time i talk to you there's a kink story <laughs> out of you uh well um, uh, they basically changed my life in the sense of like when i was a kid i got a guitar you know mm-hmm. kind of played around with it and Nobody I knew was a, a rock guitarist and was able to show me how to play, you know, like rock styles. Mm-hmm. It was all, you know, like kumbaya kind of, you know, stuff. It's the early 70s. And, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of messed around with it, figured out how it worked, but didn't really get into it. And then um, uh, when I got into the kinks, it was really because, you know, I grew up listening to, uh, you know, Kansas Foreigner, Boston, all right. that stuff in the 70s. Uh, which all really like owes a debt to the Kinks, you know. But I really didn't know who they were. I knew the Beatles, you know. I was born in 1965. I, I wasn't around for all of that. Uh, and then Van Halen came out with "You Really Got Me." I thought that was great. Uh, around a little later than that, the Kinks came out with a song called "A Gallon of Gas" about the gas crunch in 1979, mm-hmm. and I found that really amusing. And then found out, oh wait, that. You Really Got Me was a kink song from way back. I can't believe that, you know, that song is that old. It's older than I Oh, you didn't even know when you, after you'd been a fan of the song for a while, you didn't know it was a kink song. Yeah, it, it, it took about a, a year, year and a half before I, I mm-hmm. found out. Uh, you know, radio was different then. Radio in the 70s, you know, there wasn't any classic rock and, you know, all right. these stations didn't really exist. You know, not, not like they do now, you know. And uh, there just wasn't a whole lot of, aware, of awareness. And then they came out with a live album in 1980 which was like just updated versions of all this stuff, and it was great. And I was sitting there listening to that and just decided to pick up a guitar again. So uh, that album is what got me into playing music. And isn't it always weird, too, how an album or a song or something can just take you down this path that it's just all of a sudden that's leading to other music? Um you know, Ray Davies came in and I did an interview with him not too long ago. I can't get over just how goddamn smart he is. Like, he had the feeling if he wasn't doing this, he could have easily been writing books or, you know, just this just happened to be the way that he ended up 
expressing himself. He, he could have easily been an English gentleman writing books. Did you ever read his autobiography? Yeah, I had, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's just not. It, 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 I, I, he he claims to remember his birth, yeah, and then even included his death. I know it's a spoiler, but you know <laughs> you ruined the ending for people. Yeah, well, uh, he wanted to show us a couple things about uh, the Kings yeah, for well, people um, who don't know. Yeah, uh, what 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 really hooked me about finding out that you really got me was such an early song. You know, so you know that it was from the '60s and it wasn't a contemporary song in 1979 when I discovered it. Uh, was you know the 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 way songs were were back in the in the 60s you know all, all the chords were just uh is my guitar up mm -hmm. you know it was like all you know chords like that like love me do uh and uh you know or chuck berry would would have uh bar chord things like that kind of style and it was all just something that would sort of drone on in the background behind the vocal line. Mm -hmm. And when the Kinks came along, uh, they kind of took a whole different approach of writing where they would take a bar chord, which is a chord you can, you can move the same form all around the neck. And uh, they, they put that into, which was just a totally different way to put a song together. And, you know, it kind of comes from... Uh, Classical, like, uh, you know, Malaguena was, you know. It was sort of that same kind of thing, but nobody had done that in pop music before. So, uh, what, what, you really got me, you know, or uh, All Day and All the Night, which all did the same kind of thing. What that led to was the songs like, uh, you know, You know, smoke on the water. What? <laughs> you know, War Pigs, Black Sabbath. That's all the same. You know, it, it, it all kind of comes from there. And, you know, a lot of people give the Kinks credit for uh, inventing heavy metal or punk. And, you know, heavy metal and punk both come from that style of writing, even if those songs weren't really it. And I think that's what people are trying to say. You know, because it, it's like, how else can you do it? I mean, I, I couldn't describe that to you without having a guitar in my lap. Is this exactly how you got Don Kumi to fall in love with you? Is this exact <laughs> rap? Fez, does this help you with music at all? Because Fez is a guy who doesn't understand music. Yeah, I He just, doesn't well, like it. He hears it all as noise. But, 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 let, but does that make sense though. to you? I guess it does. It kind of, to be honest, it sounds, whatever you're doing, all sounds the same going into my headphones. So, so you love it. <laughs> uh, the Kinks uncovered uh, with a K. Uh, and how do people find this? That's at paradiddlerecords.com. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Herman is a drummer. Paradiddle is a drum exercise. It's P A R A D I D D L E. Paradiddle. And all kinds of people uh, covering Kinks songs. How did you pick the song that you covered? Um, well, that is the title track from the album that they were touring the first time I saw them, so it kind of meant something to me that way. Mm -hmm. uh, musically, I just like playing it. And uh, I, I also wanted something that, that used, you know, like the, you know. You know, it's got that moving bar chord kind of riff thing, but it's also got, 
you know, the social commentary side of Ray's songwriting in it, and uh, it just seemed to bring everything together in one song. So it just seemed like a good choice for me. Uh, what's your favorite era of, the, of these guys? Out of Don't have one. Don't have one at all. It's just a, no. across the boards. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I like. You know, even within eras, things changed a lot. You know, uh, from one album to the next, it was almost like there was a whole different band from one album to the next. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, so... Uh, I think we even had an early King's death today. Uh, actually, that was on the 23rd, Pete Quaife. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he uh, he was the original bass player, and he's the first... Uh, I, I, you know, I... I, I I can't say authoritatively because th they had a lot of they had horn players, they had background singers, and everything. I never heard of any of them dying. Nicky Hopkins played guitar on, uh, played uh, piano on a lot of their songs. He's dead, but he was never an actual member of the band. Uh, Pete Quaife is the first member of the core band. You know the yeah. you know a bass player. And the sad thing is the Davis brothers try to kill each other so many times. <laughs> so for this to be the first, it's somewhat shocking. All right, we got a couple of these to uh, give out. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Fez, uh, you guys were talking about doing a game with this? How'd you want to do it? Yeah, we were talking about Stump Patrick. Yeah, because uh, like I said, I, I, I learned to play guitar by playing along with Kinks Records. I know a lot of Kinks songs. And I thought if somebody could call in and stump me with a King song that I don't know, mm -hmm. then they're a Kinks fan worthy of getting a, a covered an, an uncovered CD. I'm saying it wrong now. Uh, and then, Fez, you also had something to tag on that, right? Yeah, and then, yeah, for the first round, we'll also throw in a DVD set of Entourage, the sixth season. Uh, that's out on DVD from HBO. And Entourage, of course, debuts seventh season, starts this Sunday, 10.30 on HBO. So I'm, I'm trying to understand what you mean. What do you mean by first round? Well, for the first uh, for the first CD, we'll throw in a CD and a DVD All prize right. pack. So the first person who does it pulls off both. Right. All right. Yeah, I, um, I, I've, I've got five CDs here, so. Five CDs. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, come up with a Kinks song. If you can't play it and sing it, that person uh, yeah I, i'll i'll do a few bars and there are plenty that uh i uh, and you know whoever whoever does win owes a debt to my son because in the past two years i haven't played nearly as much as i used to I'm because he's taking up all your he's taking up all your time uh well it, kids ruin your life and, all and, right, and, good. and his game is take the pick throw it in the hole that's that's the end of his game? <laughs> yeah, that's his thing. So it, the first one to Stump Patrick will pick up the Kinks Uncovered CD and the Entourage Season 6 DVDs. All right. Um, nice little game here. I'm going to start it off. I don't think you know Lola. I do not <laughs> think. We'll see. Um, what was the, remember the live album that he kept playing the opening chords and then he wouldn't? That, was, that was the 1981 that I was talking about. That, that was, was hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody like, ah, no, I'm not going to play it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Johnny in L.A., can you uh, stump Patrick on the cakes? Hey, guys, how you doing? Yeah. Hi, John. How about, aggra how about aggravation, Patrick? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and, and if, if this is the Johnny I think it is, He's a guitarist. Yeah, oh, is that right? No, no, I'm, I'm not actually a drummer from LA. Oh, a drummer. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he's a musician. He knows he picked a, a, a tough one to adapt to acoustic. Mm. Uh, uh, uh. My daily fix of aggravation. 
Sorry, Johnny, didn't make it, dude. Did not pull it off. It, it, it was rough. I don't know. Yeah. Did, did, should he get one? Um, yeah, we'll throw him in one. Let's uh, throw him one. Uh, let's go over, but he won't get the uh, the rest of the pack there. Uh, let's go to Anthony Boca Raton. Hey, guys, how you doing? Yeah. Hey, Anthony. Uh, Pat- Patrick, I am the biggest Kings fan on the planet. Can you? How big play- are you? Uh, pretty big, 12 inches at least. Um, can you oh, play the money go round? Money go round. Stumped. That quickly. <laughs> that quickly. All right, so hold on. You're getting us. That is so not a guitar song. I never sat down and learned it. Uh, it's a great song, too. Money, There's a great video on YouTube if you look for it with a dog in it. Money go round. Anthony and Boca Raton. You're getting the Entourage, the complete six season, now available for the first time on, Blue, on Blu-ray as well as on DVD and digital download just in time for the June 27th Season 7 premiere. That's this Sunday, 1030, only on HBO. And, of course, Fezzi. The Kinks Uncovered, the tribute CD that you can also pick up at paradiddlerecords.com. Uh, let's go over here to Lee. And it seems easy now, just stop Patrick. <laughs> it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Hey, Patrick. Yeah. Hey, Lee. I want to hear uh, uh, Have a Cup of Tea. That's an easy one for you. Have a Cup of Tea. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, well, okay, I'll go right into the chorus. Have a cup of tea. Have a cup of tea. Have a cup of tea. For Christ's sake, have a cup of tea. All right, to there me, that, go, didn't stump him. That just sounded like a vuvuzula to me. A what? A vuvuzula. Mm, that's a whole new way of saying it. Uh, Mikey boy, what do you got? Uh, how about labor of love? Oh, oh yeah, Mikey yeah, yeah. Boy uh, likes to stomp. As a matter of fact, I, I posted that on Eastside Dave's Facebook to wish him a uh, a happy anniversary the oh, other day. Is that why you wanted it, Mikey? <laughs> Marriage is a two-headed transplant Sometimes that's how it seems Well, the sex wears off It's all give and take And it's goodbye to all your dreams So, enough? There you go. Okay. All right, so crawl back in your hole, Mike. You get nothing. See you, Mike. Uh, Let's go, Andre, in Boston. Try to pick up uh, the kinks uncovered. What do you got, Andre? I'm looking for a rainy day in June. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, not the intro. That's it, right? That's good. The elves really and gnomes were hunched in fear, too terrified to cry. The cherished things are perishing and buried in their tomb. Enough? Perfect. You Good. nailed it. Uh, let's go to Jeff in Georgia. Hey, Patrick, I got one for you. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Prince Bond covered this a couple weeks ago. I'd never heard it. Power Man. Oh, uh, uh, yep. I know a man who's a powerful man. Got the people in his power in his palm of his hand. I'm rough on it. <laughs> Writes, but I got my gal and I'm all right. There's the riff. It's it's it was rough. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I I think. Uh, oh, you know what? We're gonna give him one. 
Okay. We're going to give him one. Let's go over here to John in Westchester. What do you got? Hey, Patrick, this probably won't stump you, but uh, I'd like to hear uh, Muswell Hillbillies. And if you leave me on, I'll actually sing with you. <laughs> All right, so here we go. It's... it's a good guitar song for you. Well, yeah, it is. It's a satellite campfire. You, you going to do it? Well, well I said goodbye oh. What key is he in? What key is he in? <laughs> Actually, I think I was playing in the wrong key. It's in D. There we go. You know what? I'm going to give hey, you each you know an I album. Maybe you can key. learn these songs. I played it in the wrong key. <laughs> <laughs> All right, in All the right. wrong key, John, that means you are a winner. Yeah. Uh, the Kinks Uncovered, Fez. It is the Kinks Tribute CD featuring Patrick. Paradiddlerecords.com. Uh, let's go over here to Blake in Illinois. And it's very interesting to see how many people are in, in, interested in obscure Kinks songs. Well, uh, Blake, what do you got? What's up, buddy? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how secure this is, but it's my one of my favorite King songs. A little bit of abuse. Um, that's a song I don't know how to play. Oh, I, and another CD going out song. the door. Another CD going out. I, I, I know one on the nose, one on the chin. Yep. It was so easy, so I stay with him. Yeah, I, I know the song. Never played it. Now, when you start to sing, and, the and that's from "Give the People What They uh, Want," the album that I. Did. When you when you start to sing the kid Kinks, I know she get a little British on us. You start to. Have it's hard accent. to not. Yeah, it's hard to. I, you know, I I really do consciously try to not mm -hmm. because it's so easy to fall into it. You know, sing along with records and the you know the, the CD in the car or whatever. It's it's. That's really funny because I noticed Fez, you get a British accent when you steal jokes from Ricky Gervais. So it really is. Oh, I, it I, would thought, be I thought more that was cover. when he drinks. Yeah, sometimes Fez is just like you mental, and I'm like, I know that's not yours. You just took it. Racist. He asked me to grab a pint the other day. Um, well, and you should. Let's go to, um, let's go to Tom, PA, you're in front of Fez. Yeah, how, Patrick, how about one of the survivors? Oh, uh, he's one of the survivors. You got it. The poppers and the chivers. Yeah, he rocks all day to Johnny and the Hurricanes. You got it, man. Uh, let's try to do one more before the end of the show here. Jack, what do you got? Uh, hey, man, how about Oklahoma, USA? Um, you know what? There's a really good version of it on the disc. Uh, it's not one that I ever learned. There you go. Uh, big, big winner again. Is that five? Yeah, I believe that's five I think altogether. that is. I think that's five. Uh, excellent job uh, stopping See, and, and, and people who knew me said that we wouldn't be giving any of these away because I know too many of them. Oh, is that right? They don't really know you. Um, I guess not. I'd like to see you do this because I love the guitar and people don't request third naked cowboy over in Times Square. You get a chance to put the hat on, the underwear. Uh, thanks so much for coming in, Patrick. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on this, too. This is really cool. Kings Uncovered, the Kings Tribute album. Make sure you pick it up at paradiddlerecords.com. Uh, there are a lot of great uh, tracks on there that are satisfying to Kings fans. There are some that are... Uh, very different ways of different approaches of doing it. I think Kings fans will like it. Should so be interesting. Listen for Patrick's. It's give the people what they want. Um, thanks for uh, Dr. Jack Kavorian, uh, Kavorkian. Smiling Jack for uh, being on the show today. That's it for us. We'll see you guys back here on Monday. Go USA. Sorry, Fez. Go England. Go Argentina. And then I don't really care much about it. What's the other game? 
Uruguay, I believe. Yeah, whatever. Go Uruguay. I'll give it to him. I'll throw it in for him. See you guys back in here on Monday. Uh, that's the end of my show. Donk. With Harry, Mark, and John Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday to Thursday With Harry, Mark, and John Satellites gone up to the skies Things like that drive me out of my For a little while I love to watch things on TV Satellite